This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Finding the perfect project manager isn't easy. But at Upwork, we found him. He's in Adelaide. Between his color-coordinated sticky note collection and the cutest box lunch we have ever seen. And you can find him right now on Upwork.com. When the world is your workforce, finding the perfect project manager, designer, developer, or whomever you may need tends to fall right into place. Find top-rated talent who can start today on Upwork.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Good evening and welcome to the West Hamway Podcast and myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. Tonight we reveal the winners of the official, unofficial West Hamway End of Season Awards as voted for by you. Then, the moment we've all been waiting for, after an excruciating break from social media, X is back to tell us exactly where we are in the transfer market. Finally, as always, we end the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show. You're back and it's good to see you, mate. How was your break? And more importantly, how was your break from being an ITK? Uh, yeah, the break was really nice. Thank you, mate. Um, you know, we were meant to be in Brisbane and LA and possibly Ibiza this oh, year. So a bit, a bit of a come down to be in Devon. But, um, <laughs> but, but all, all, all of that aside, it was, it was nice time to spend some time with the, with the three kids. And uh, yeah, it was it was good, good, good to get away from it all and just uh, detox. I think from the season and from being an ITK. And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't miss it at all. It was quite. I mean, I was still on Twitter in the sense that I was replying to the odd DM. Although I do apologise, I've had quite a lot from various people that I haven't got around to replying to. Um, but yeah, I was replying to the odd one, and I was just watching Twitter from afar just to see like kind of what happens and stuff and it was quite amusing really just to watch from (laughs) from a distance knowing the rubbish that people were putting out there and the um what's the word the the hysteria that people were getting into over things that weren't even true um but yeah no it was nice to get away and so nice that i'm going away this friday as well for 10 days so uh, yeah so i'm going away this for 10 days probably gonna do the same thing i'm not gonna lie just sort of 
and I might even this time take myself completely off it so I'm not even even reading it it's just good to do that I mean I I've been on today and I've tweeted about the jetty and already there's people mouthing off and I just I just think to myself what is the point why do I bother well do you know what I, I think the point is Certainly standing from afar, looking at that interaction, you also had a hell of a lot of love while she was away. And that's got to count for something, because it's like I've said to you before, for every one person that gives you shit because they've got fuck who else to do in their life, you've got 100 people giving you praise and telling you that they're missing you, not being around. Yeah, I mean, it was nice, and thank you to those that did it, but like, that said it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I think to myself, like... (laughs) I can't describe it. Like, I don't get anything for doing this, but it takes a lot of effort to do it. And you're literally waiting for something to be slightly wrong. And you just know that it's just going to be pelters. And I just can't think, what's the point, really? But we'll see. We'll see. As I said, it's not an official retirement. It's a a week-by-week retirement. And obviously, (laughs) we'll still still do the um, podcast and the events and stuff. But um, we'll see. I mean, as I say, if I get news, I'll pull it out there but the whole point of it not during those 10 days but in in the future the whole point is but i think people think like i've got a walkie-talkie direct to david sullivan <laughs> and everything i want to know so dave 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 over out foxtrot for delta one um, on, on the mic tell me what's the latest of a jetty and he goes right right this is what it is and tells me straight away it isn't like that you have to like speak to this person speak to that person piece this together put that together you know preparing for today's section has taken me a long time and then yeah. you know you put you put that out there and then um and then I don't know. I just I don't know, mate. I I don't. I'm not doing it for people to feel sorry for me. I'm not. Honestly, it's not an attention thing. It's just generally a stage of my life now. You know, I've got an intense job. I've got three kids. Uh, I have other commitments in my life to that put the th- the whole ITK thing into perspective. Sometimes. Mm, so has it kind of made you? steer more towards not doing it or is it just a case of having a nice breather and you will carry on at the moment it's 50 50 um don't really know at the moment it was really really nice to have that break i'm not gonna lie it Mm. really was and just to not even think like to know that i'm not gonna log on to twitter and read a load of crap um just know that it's gonna be um and there's not going to be that waiting for you. And people tell you to man up. And of course, it doesn't actually affect me that much. If in a, in a sense that like it used to, when I first started, you know, it did. And people say, I'll oh, just man up, it's nothing. But you, you just got to imagine every time you log on, just seeing just mm. constant crap, which you know is not true. Mm. It's, just, it's just not great. So um, I think, yeah, I think at the moment it's just a temp, temporary thing and I'll probably carry on with the podcast. But as I say, I'm not doing it for people to feel sorry for me. I don't care if not one person says they miss me. It's just it's just nice to have other priorities and spend uh, other time doing other things. Um, and I'll just see, as I said, if news comes to me, well, then I might as well put it out. But I don't know if I'm going to actively search it like I used to. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. I'm not ruling anything out. This I point. mean, over the last couple of weeks, my Twitter more than ever. I mean, I haven't been able to keep up with notifications. I've been missing DMs. I just, I've just been absolutely swamped. 
and it's because everyone is asking me about you. <laughs> well, there you go. They know you. you know, they know so God knows what brother. your God knows what your notifications are saying <laughs> at the moment. Uh, like I say, I'm fine. I, like you know, I'd be, I'm in a good place now. You know, nothing, nothing's um, bothering me at the moment. I'm a, I'm cool. I'm chilled. I'm not getting particularly wound up about it. I'm, like I said, it's just, uh, it's just nice to have a bit of a break from it, and and also just to just to show that the information that I put out there is what is how to say this about being arrogant, the catalyst for a lot of what other people put out there. Oh, yeah. So, so without it, 100%. it shows that not many people know what's going on. Um, yeah. And, and it's been nice to kind of see the, the damage that, the, 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 <laughs> the, the, that goes on without actually having accurate news. But, um, yeah. yeah, as I say, I don't know. I'm, I'm away on Friday, uh, 10 days the aim at this point is to probably stay off it again but um who knows we shall see we'll see what happens and like i said it's not anything to um people to get too bothered about i mean as i see here you know like as we sat here like i've just um i've just got uh, a missed call from a top source and like so mm. then if i if i'd been able to take that i'd probably have information but they've called me so that's probably mm. how I'll operate going forward. Mm. Well, either way, mate, it's very good to have you back. Yeah, that's for sure. You, thank you. Um, on last week's show, we announced the categories and respective nominees for the official, unofficial West Ham Way end of season awards. And after receiving tens of thousands of votes, we now have our winners. I'm going to read the categories out again as a reminder, and X is going to give us the winners. So the first category was most improved player. Right. So. Give us the options and give us the result. Okay, so the options were Snodgrass, Antonio, Ogbonna and Dean Garner. Now, what's really interesting about this result is that I think it's our closest one for yeah. first place because the first place was 40% and the second place was 39%. So from fourth to first, so Snodgrass got 6%, Dean Garner got 15%. Antonio got 39% and Ogbonna got 40%. So in the unofficial West Ham Way Awards, the most improved player of the 2019-2020 season <laughs> is Angelo Ogbonna. I was expecting him to walk in and yeah. just, you present him with an award. Can you imagine? <laughs> that was very formal. It's yeah. very nicely done, X, I have to say. If we want them to walk in, I think we have to go to Mykonos. That's where they all seem to be. So rather than Takeley, I think, I think uh, Mykonos, Mykonos is where we need to be. But, uh, yeah, no, he's That's not brilliant. here. He's not yeah. here. I mean, if you, want, if, you want, if you want Dixie to walk in, I can probably arrange that. And just for the record, we're not talking about the Jimmy Dixie. We're talking about a cat that was named after him. But I love the way you, you put some clarification on that as well. No, he's not here. He's not here. No, I'm pretty sure people worked out Angelo wasn't ready to come in in a tuxedo. Can you imagine, though, if they did? Like, <laughs> like we had all the players just sitting out in your garden whilst, whilst we brought them in. What is that? All over the fag and the drink, yeah, exactly. just doing kick-ups with a ball. Oh, brilliant. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know that we, when we had this discussion, I think... Antonio and Ogbonna for us were the only two front runners and interestingly I think you went Ogbonna and I think I went Antonio mm -hmm. but to be honest there's uh, quite clearly based on the results a clear argument for either or but yeah I no issue with that at all I think Ogbonna's had an incredible season was quite unlucky to miss out on 
the Hammer of the Year award. So yeah, um, yeah I well, think uh, I think that's fair. Well, this poll, um, I mean, this is the really good thing about these polls. And to be fair, neither you or I, I don't think um, retweeted these much. Like I did it once, I think, and then forgot about it. Yeah, same um, here. And uh, this poll got ten thousand two hundred and seventy-one votes. So there's quite a, yeah. a large audience as such. And so, that's just the one category as yeah, well, not yeah. the whole thing, obviously. No, exactly. So. So yeah, so there we go. Congratulations, uh, Angelo. Um, please let us know when you intend to pick up your <laughs> your, your reward. You might have to make one first, yeah. <laughs> but well, give us a bit of time. <laughs> right, okay. The next category is best signing of the season. Talk to us, X. Right, best signing of the season. We had um, for now's Bowen, Suchek, and Alaire. Um and there's a tie for joint third or last place, whichever way you want to look at it, <laughs> with 2%. Um, and that's for Nails and Allaire, um, which is interesting considering they were both Pellegrini signings in the summer. Mm. Allaire's obviously our um, record signing as well. Um, and then Bowen got 30%. And then a, a large winner was Suchek with 66%. Now, mm. I'm quite surprised by that. I did think Suchek mm-hmm. just over Bowen. So I agree with the outcome. But I'm surprised that it was such a, a big difference. Mm. Because yeah. I, I think Bowen had a great half season as well. Yeah, I was expecting maybe 10% on that difference. Because yeah. you're right. I, I don't know if it doesn't do Bowen justice... Or it just more so screams how good Suchek has been. Probably a combination of the two. But that is, yeah, that's quite a gap. But I think Suchek's just been different class since he's come in, hasn't he? You know, yeah. just adapting to the country, adapting to the division. He's just been a breath of fresh air. And uh, I'm pleased he's won that. So, um, yeah, congratulations, Thomas. We know you're listening. So well, uh, I don't know. He's on, his, in the post. he's on his honeymoon at the moment. I think, oh, was he? Yeah, I think he did say to me on the slide that he would tune in just to see if he'd won this award or not. <laughs> um, but I said, Thomas, you know, these podcasts are online. You can listen back in a few weeks. He's like, no, X, I will listen. <laughs> I didn't know he was from Nigeria. <laughs> That was an attempt at an Eastern European accent. Um, I shall be there. I shall listen. And uh, yeah, whether he stuck to his word, I'm not sure. But, well, um, look, whether he did or he didn't, we know that all the other boys in the squad will be texting him now saying, Thomas, you got it, you got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, okay. The next category is moment of the season. And I think this was one that we both agreed on who, uh, who eventually won it. But um, give us the results, mate. I think you've actually skipped one out in my order, um, but so remember to go back to. Oh, okay, clip. mate. Yeah, so, no, you're right, okay. and I will go back to it after. So um, the four um, nominations for the moment of the season are Antonio's four goals versus Norwich, um, Martin's debut versus Chelsea, Yarmolenko's goal versus Chelsea, or Rice's goal versus Watford. Um, and in last place was Rice's goal versus Watford. Then Antonio's four versus Norwich. Then Yarmolenko's versus Chelsea. Um, and then with 47% of the poll was Martin's debut at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Declan got 5%. Antonio, 20%. Yarmolenko, 28%. I mean, the, the Yarmolenko goal was a special one. And I, I didn't want to overlook that. And obviously, the occasion of, of Mickey scoring four as well. I can understand where he's got the votes. But Martin's debut against Chelsea, we went through this when we were talking about the categories. It was just such a special moment. 
Um, more so because he's Alvin's son, I think. Alvin was there that night, that big embrace at the end, the tears from David. He's clearly one of our own as well. And it just meant so much. And it was such a crucial point away from home in what had been such a dog shit period for us. So I yeah. think it was a combination of elation that we've beaten Chelsea, who we hate anyway, but just complete relief and euphoria for David. Because he's a West Ham fan, we're West Ham fans, so you automatically, from the stands, put yourself in David's gloves. Yeah. And you just, you, you just knew what that meant to him. So it, it, it had to win, and yeah. uh, with 47%, it did. I actually think that that moment is going to be one of those like iconic moments that mm. you look back on in years to come that will still be remembered because yeah. because of, like you said, the family ties and um, the fact that he'd waited all... Like say all his life, but all of his professional football life to make that appearance for West Ham, kept a clean sheet away at Chelsea. You know, I think that is one of those moments that will be looked back. And um, I know the family quite well. I've said it on previous podcasts, and I know how much it meant to mm. all of them. They're mm. just like so buzzing, and I think you know, I think David also is very proud of the clean sheet against. Uh, Southampton as well, which followed shortly, but you can't beat your debut, can you? So, um, yeah. Yeah, worthy winner there. Okay, worst part of the season. Yeah, so we got um, Roberto's mistakes, VAR, um, Pellegrini's sacking, and losing winning positions. Mm. See, with this one, I don't know if I misunderstood it, which is more likely, or... The voters misunderstood it, which is more unlikely. But with Pellegrini sacking, with that being the worst part of the season, my viewpoint was that with such high expectations of him coming in, changing everything and doing so well, coming to an end with a sacking was just disappointment off the scale for me. And I think on the show, that's why I might have voted for him. You did, you did. I did. Um... And I don't know if you've, you've gone through the percentages yet. Um, well, it was just you and one other, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was, actually. I mean, I mean we've had 11,321 votes on this. 2% <laughs> chose that option. Uh, if we are looking at it in terms of how disappointed you was when he got sacked, then no, of course, I wouldn't have voted for him and I, I wouldn't have been part of that 2%. So it depends how you look at it. But yeah, I mean, if you want to go through the percentages, mate, I don't think anyone would argue with this one. Well, surprisingly, because I actually went for VAR and that was third. So both you and I are in the minority here. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I went for VAR because I thought it was going to make such a positive difference on the football league in general. Like I thought in the, in the Premier League, I thought it meant that bigger teams weren't going to get certain advantages that I felt that they got. I felt it would make West Ham better because I've always felt that we were hard done by. Um, I felt that it would be an exciting thing to really change football, but actually it ended up being an absolute nightmare and counting against West Ham Mm. numerous times. So that's why I went for VAR. But um, obviously I don't think VAR directly impacted the season as much as the the other two but for me it was the biggest disappointment so Pellegrini's sacking was last with 2% VAR third with 16% losing winning positions third with 27% and then um, Roberto's mistakes 
top with 55%. Yeah, I don't think you can argue that. I mean, losing from winning positions is unbelievably frustrating. And obviously, the amount of points we accumulated last season was more than anyone else. I think we finished on 26. That is just unacceptable and something that has to be addressed going into the new season. But Roberto's mistakes, I mean... We've said it before on the podcast, I don't think there's any need to say it again, just how bad he is, because every West Ham fan knows how bad he is. He's the worst in our history. He's got to be the worst in the Premier League. And you could argue that, you know, he's cost us our season. He cost Pellegrini his job. There's so much to it. And, and he was the main focal point of everything going wrong. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen West Ham fans so sarcastically clap a goalkeeper when he does something right. And there wasn't too many of them with Roberto. Right. But that was what it was like. It, it, was, it was pantomime with him. Well, Roberto has almost been the catalyst for almost everything this season because, like you said, Pellegrini's sacking, mm. largely down to that. Um, the fact that Martin was so well-received when he made his debut at Chelsea. You know, we've mm. got a chance. Martin's in goal. <laughs> Even, like, before we got to the game, you know, when we're walking to the yeah. to the ground and when we were in the um, concourse, you know, people were singing that and banging it. So yeah. that, that's got as our most memorable moment. So you could almost argue that Roberto was directly involved in that. And he... He, even though he played what seven, eight games, he's been involved so much in what what, what defined our season. I saw a picture of um, him and Fernals. They're both in Mykonos. Shock! Everyone seems to be in bloody Mykonos <laughs> at the moment. Um, and um, Roberto and him were kind of like having this sort of man hug on a boat and I was just actually fearful for Fennell's life I just thought <laughs> somehow Roberto's going to drop him in the ocean or you know accidentally drop his head on the on the side or something you know yeah, so yeah. It, it, it's just um, it's just really bizarre how <laughs> he lasted as long as he did I mean he must have been a decent keeper when Pellegrini and Husidios worked with him before mm. because for any West Ham fan, or well, I say any football fan, really, any football fan that had any knowledge of what a keeper should and shouldn't be doing, you could see from the very, very start, he didn't have the essential basics like positioning or kicking or decision making, mm. you know, take out shot stopping or crossing ability or whatever he just didn't have the basics yet we persisted with him for seven games or whatever it was yeah. with him making continuous mistakes Pellegrini as much as what we must might think of him would never have got to where he's got in world football being that poor a judge of a player over that many games it must have been that he was semi-decent previously yeah. and they, they thought he might come out of this because why else would you have persisted as long? Yeah. Like I said, I told you, there's a few people I know have a conspiracy theory that Pedigree deliberately played him to cost them, yeah. cost us results. I'm not sure that. about that. But I don't agree with that either. But at the end of the day, he was a disaster. There's mm. no two ways about it. He and, was. And Alan McKnight must be the only person that's happy that Roberto joined West Ham because he's now <laughs> he's now lost his title as the worst ever keeper to play for us. Or yeah. Sa- Sasa Illich or some of, that, some of the others that you want to throw in there. He's then been eclipsed by Roberto. Yeah, yeah. God, massively, massively. Yeah. Next category, worst decision. 
Okay, so the the nominations were uh, letting Ngakia go. Now, I just need to clarify that one a little bit because a lot of people put underneath it, we didn't let him go, he chose to go. We didn't, I just meant, it, you only had 20 characters. So it's just the whole Ngakia situation. <laughs> mm. Don't know whose fault it is or not. But, well, I do, but that wasn't what the point of the poll. But just to clarify the whole situation around him, playing Roberto so much, appointing Moyes and no service for Elair. Now, out of this one, ten over 10,000 votes as well. Letting Ngakia go came fourth by 1%. Um, with 6% to appointing Moyes with 7%, no service for Alaire, 22%. And again, dominating the awards this this season, playing Roberto so much, 65%. Yeah, I don't think you can argue with that. Interesting percentage on no service for Hilaire, Yeah, I, no, thought. I thought that as well, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, no one's rivaling that. I mean, he's picked up two awards, he's doing well so far tonight, and he, Robbo? Which dropped both of them. <laughs> yeah, pick, yeah. Pick them up over and yeah. over again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get someone else to put it on his mantelpiece, I think. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so next one. Right, biggest letdown of the season. Okay, so it was between Anderson, Lanzini, Alea and Diop. Um, now picking up 1% of the vote was uh, Diop and I understand that because I kind of just threw him in there because I couldn't rethink really of anyone else to go in that category and I thought he probably wasn't as good as he was the season before mm. so that's why I put him in that's there fair. But, but yeah I, I wasn't expecting him to pick many votes then close with Allaire with 13% Lanzini 14% a massive win for Felipe Anderson 72% yeah again as expected the only shock for me is that X missing two podcasts in a month wasn't an option <laughs> well, I didn't know at the time I was listening to didn't they uh, I thought it was only one I've just dropped dropped that bombshell they were spontaneous bookings your holidays yeah, to be exactly. fair to you to well, be fair the, the reason this one got booked was just because it was so good to get away and I've never been to Scotland um, I was meant to go to Scotland um, for my mini moon you know like a mini moon when is when you go away straight after the wedding but it's not your main honeymoon yeah, so I was yeah. meant to go to that but then do you remember the volcanic ash yeah so so anyway I have to cut a long long story <laughs> short but we couldn't go because the volcanic ash cancelled our flights and we were only there for the weekend so we didn't have time to drive up there anyway so the missus goes to me well we have to have some mini moon of somewhere Edinburgh's now cancelled where are we going to go so I was like hmm let me have a think about this. And I went, oh, Cheshire's really nice. You know, it's like an old town. I think it's quite classy. You know, it's got, it's quite posh. You know, I think it might have some nice, like, beauty spa places. So I really sold it really well. Went a really nice um, hotel. First day, let her have all the spa treatment. Really went to town. Welcome to married life, darling. This is, <laughs> this is how it's going to be. It's going to be amazing. And then she was like, well, because you've had this day all for yourself... Uh, because uh, I've had this day all for myself, you can have the next day all for yourself. So this was Monday, and I was like, okay. What? She was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, 
Well, funnily enough, Liverpool are playing West Ham Monday night and it just happens to be a few tickets available and I can get them if you want. And she's like, you've planned the whole thing, haven't you? Oh, so she realised straight she away. She realised straight yeah, away. She's yeah. like, you've done that. And I was like, no, no. She's like, yes, you have. And I was like, look, at least you know what you're marrying into. Anyway, we played Liverpool. It was a Monday night. We were, we lost three 0 I think Yossi Benayoun might have scored for Liverpool. Benny McCarthy came on as a sub. Was the <laughs> fattest, overweightest player I've ever seen. <laughs> it was terrible. I ate a pasty at lunch uh, at half time because we hadn't um, had any food. Got food poisoning from the pasty, and West Ham lost three 0 So I think that was a divine intervention to say. Don't make West Ham dominate your marriage, but yeah, yeah, all these years that work out for you. I was going to say all these years later, sitting here on a, a Wednesday night in 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 your garden doing a podcast, uh, I don't think it changed me too much. But, uh, oh god, yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. So that was that story, but um, and on that, just quickly, X saying about doing a podcast in the garden now, which is very true. So if you hear any stray dogs barking or or kids playing in the gardens next door, that is because at the moment we are in the new shell of the new podcast area, which again was um, donated by you guys essentially. Yeah. And I said on a previous show, I think we're we're, we're going to be forever in debt to you on that because uh, it's a lovely space at the moment. It's freshly been plastered, floors down, but nothing else, not even a handle on the door. So you I might think, hear the odd bit of interference. I think but... I've got to actually, do you know what? For Just because if I describe it, it's just not going to work. But I actually take a photo of <laughs> what we're actually faced with at the moment. So what you've got to imagine is this, this, this it's basically an empty room at the moment. There's freshly plastered. There's like wires coming out the wall where the sockets are going to go and stuff. Yeah, we're both there's, sweating our nuts off in yeah, here as well. absolutely baking because there's no air conditioning or windows or fans or anything. Oh, well, there is windows, but there's no fans. And we've literally got one long table in the middle. Dave, Dave's at one end, I'm at the other end, and there is a single lamp in the middle of the table. It, it looks like we're like I'm, I'm about to be tortured or something. Like, it's a very I think very romantic true. meal for two. I, I think yeah. they take some beating. It depends where your mind is. You go with meal. <laughs> I'm going being tortured but, uh, <laughs> but the thing is yeah. torture for me is that I can hear the dog and the cat or the no, I don't like the dog I take that back yeah. I can sense that the cats are yeah. lurking somewhere there you go his the, paws coming through the, that, uh, it's like a here's Johnny but in, in the world of is, cats it is he's heard yeah. me he's literally what I mean. do you know what you couldn't make that up no, he hasn't that, come near this summer house yet the second you said that his paws starting to claw in the door to I swear that cat can read my mind <laughs> Honestly, it's like like something out of James Bond or something. It literally kind of knows what I'm doing. And the minute minute I even (laughs) drop my guard, that there's a sense of fear, it pounces. Oh, my God. How am I even going to get out of this room now? Yeah, you might have to sleep here, mate. He's barricaded me in. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I wish to God people could have seen what just happened uh, it's actually really freaky yeah that and was the, spooky that and the problem funny is, though he probably knows all the cats in the bloody neighbourhood as well <laughs> yeah. so he's going to wolf whistle them and then all yeah. of a sudden I'm going to go out yeah. you're going to get your head kicked in tonight <laughs> mate <laughs> <laughs> you never had so much pussy in your life <laughs> <laughs> not without paying anyway <laughs> <laughs> right so so a resounding win for Anderson there on the biggest letdown of the season I don't mean anyone can disagree with that well a percentage did but 72% didn't understandably yeah I mean I've 
That what was that? Oh, that's that a that's, cat or a dog. I think I think Teddy's after you now as well, oh, mate. He's, he's getting the family together first, <laughs> and then he's going to call in all the stray wrongans from the uh, from Honestly, the street. Oh, you're on... banging trouble, mate. Listen, I could go and have a word with him and say, look, leave him alone. But mate, I can't I, do any more than that. I bet you those animals are behind all the trolls. I get on Twitter. <laughs> I bet you. I wouldn't put it past them. None of them have profile pictures, so so it really wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> See, if you want me to remember in an ITK on Twitter someone yeah. needs to come and eliminate yeah. those pets mate and unless some of these trolls have put a price on your red mate maybe they've offered it to Teddy and Dixie and <laughs> first come first serve mate what's the female cat called uh, Daisy she's alright she keeps herself to herself no but she's the vicious one isn't yeah, she yeah that's what oh. I mean yeah you've got to get on the wrong side of her to see the wrong side yeah, of her but, and um, the thing is she's the vicious silent assassin yes she yeah, is she's called Daisy yeah <laughs> <laughs> crazy Daisy though. Yeah. oh yeah crazy true. Daisy true 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 um, I was going to say, say something about Anderson oh yeah I voted him well I said he was going to be Hammer of the Year this year awful prediction at yeah. the start of the season but for me that does show how much he came down from what I thought he could be because at first when he joined West Ham I, I thought he didn't he wasn't a West Ham player wasn't a Premier League player and then he turned me around and I thought actually he's a skillful player that can make things happen it's mm. exciting to watch he's got a lot of talent and I really thought he was going to kick on with another season behind him um, and I thought him and Elaire would be a great link up but unfortunately the two of them probably down to the system like a lot of people say and the manager but the two of them have really struggled this year mm. which is a shame because potentially they could you know they could have been the world class kind of cutting edge that we need 100% I mean there's more frustration with Anderson in my opinion and, and the main reason for that is when you talk about Hilaire as I've said plenty of times before I believe that Hilaire can't make anything happen without the service but with Anderson being a winger, he's always going to get the ball. Yeah. So he you can make, can make things happen. Things happen. Yeah. You get the ball. You know. Mm. You, you, you know. You, you drop a few yards. You get the ball. You beat two or three like we know he can. You use your pace. You use your skill like we we know he's got. Uh, but we've just not seen any of it. And I've said before, and I'll say it again. With him, it's all psychological. And the one way you can tell that is as soon as he gets the ball, he just wants to give it back. Yeah. He doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want to be playing football because I just don't think he can cope with the expectation on his shoulders. What would you say to the people that say that Anderson hasn't performed this year because the left-backs have been so poor behind him? So he's always got it in the back of his mind that he's got to trap back and help out defensively because the fullback is so bad or the fullback's not going to overlap say and give him that that sort of decoy option down the wing I mean I'm not going to say that's nonsense but I don't buy into it I don't I don't excuse his piss poor performances because we're not talking about him having kind of pretty below average games or slightly disappointing. We're talking about Anderson completely and utterly going missing. And when he gets the ball and he immediately gives it straight back, that isn't always because he's got no overlapping option. That's because he doesn't want to progress with the ball. Because I think he's so scared of getting the ball and losing it, he, he can't cope with that disappointment. So he'd rather just take himself out of the game. Unbeknownst to him, I think that's more frustrating for fans to see than him having a go and losing it. But yeah, I mean... It's, there's probably something in that, but I think there's a professional who is tasked at getting the ball at your feet and running at players. 
You know, he's, he's not the sort of player that's reliant on an overlapping midfielder anyway because he's got enough pace and skill to hit those flanks himself, but he just ain't doing it. Could an argument be that because Alaire has been ineffective, that's made Anderson ineffective? Is it the other way round? Is it Alaire not giving Anderson options? Is it that Alaire's not in the positions for Anderson to supply him? Is it that he's not making the runs that Anderson needs him to make the runs? Is it that he's not a big enough presence for Anderson to knock the ball to Alaire, for Alaire to hold it up, knock it back to him? Is that a factor? Well, I mean, I know Alaire hasn't been playing recently and we've been informed, so I don't know if this is an argument more towards Alaire rather than the team with Anderson, but... I don't know, I look at it and I think, you know, players have come in for Anderson, they've come in for Lanzini, and they've actually done well. So I think this is down to individuals, personally. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think it's down to individuals. And I still maintain the fact that had Hilaire started during this period where we were winning games, I'm not going to say he would have scored more than Antonio, but I still think he would have played a hell of a lot better than we would have seen. And let's not forget, Antonio only finished how many goals ahead of Hilaire? This season, don't know. I think it was. Did he get to ten? Did he get the double figures in uh, the end after that Norwich game? He took the penalty. Yeah, I mean, Alaire hasn't played in what two months, three months. I don't know. And he he finished on seven. Yeah. So I I, I still think we yet to see the best of Alaire. You know the reasons for that. But when it comes to Anderson, it's all psychological because Bowen's coming from the Championship and done incredibly well on the wing. For Nails, I think there's an argument as to how well he's done, but he's been put on the wing in a position, I believe, he's out of position for him, and done better than Philip Anderson has. Yeah. So I think with him, when you pay that much money for him, and you put him on 150 grand a week, that's a player that can't afford excuses. Mm. If you're talking about a kid coming through, or four or five grand, I think you can mount up a few excuses and you can buy him a bit of time. But when you come in as the rock and roll superstar of football on 150 grand a week, 45 million pound on Instagram, you know, with your flashy pad in the background and you're sort of a bird, left, right and centre, you have to deliver. And he hasn't, massively. It's not just like he's had one or two bad games. He's been disappearing all season for me. So on what you just said there, can you excuse a 45 million record signing from um, uh, on probably the same wage, the excuses that you've excused in this Yeah, season? because I don't believe that Anderson has the excuse of poor service. I think Hilaire as a striker, in many cases a lone striker, relies on service. Philippe Anderson doesn't rely on service. You know, service to a striker is a skill in itself. Don't get me wrong, it's, it's that final third through ball going through the defence or it's a, it's a wicked cross coming in or it's crossover play with the players around you that's a skill in itself which is why it doesn't come freely so when you do get those chances you've got to take them A I don't think that's been going on around Hilaire and B I don't think he's had that many chances to take with Anderson the service that he needs is a six yard pass from Creswell and he's expected to do the rest but I don't think he has see I, I was very much that we should sell Anderson a few weeks ago and I probably still am if the right offer comes in for him in the sense that we recoup basically what we paid for him. But there is part of me that thinks maybe we should give him one more chance because he did show to me, he's shown more to me that he can perform for West Ham than Allaire has at this point. And I think not this season. Not no, but in the past, because obviously I know it's different. Because Anderson's had two seasons and Alaire's had one. Yeah. But 
if you was to compare Anderson's first season to Alaire's first season, I would say that Anderson had a better first season than Alaire did. And so part yeah. of me thinks, should we give him another chance? Maybe he was off form, team wasn't playing well. We're going to sell him and what? Who are we going to buy? Eze maybe. But I think he is possibly more of a central attacking midfielder. The Be- Beharima from Brent. Brent um, Woodford. <laughs> Always do this. You do, don't you? I can't get it in my head. Um, <laughs> Brentford. Um, are they going to be better than Felipe Anderson? Really? Mm. Are they? Like on his day? I don't know. So part of me is almost tempted to say, right, let's give Anderson until January. But... I don't know if the right offer comes in for him. I guess we're so desperate for money, we'll have to take it. But um, The thing is, if we had some fucking scouts at the club, maybe they can answer that question for us. Yeah. But again, it's all David Sullivan and his relationship with agents all the time, isn't I know, it? I know. You know, that doesn't help because it's just tunnel vision and you're limiting every option that you're potentially going to have. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't, it wouldn't. But I'm going to say it wouldn't surprise me if Anderson had a much better season next year. Because I honestly believe he will know, obviously he'll know that he's been dropped. I think he'll know he's out of favour with the fans. And I think psychologically that will work in his advantage because in his mind the pressure's off because there's no expectation on him. Yeah. The fans might feel, well, we're not going to get anything from him. That might actually benefit him. And yeah. then he might absolutely soar for half a season. Suddenly everyone thinks he's the best player on the planet and he'll fucking capitulate again because it's too much for him. Yeah, That's I, my honest assessment of Philippe Anderson. And I think he actually wants to stay at West Ham. Um, he's, I bet he does, like, 150 grand a week, not even playing. <laughs> yeah, but he's, his brother um, is on Instagram and his brother responds to messages on Instagram. So I thought I would just test the water and sent him a message and I basically did I, just, I, I don't usually confess to sources and this isn't a source because he's not basically told me anything other than <laughs> this but I thought I'd just see what happened so I sent him a message and I, I said um, you know like what we do and we have the podcast and stuff I just said can you clarify does Felipe Anderson want to stay, stay at West Ham how does he feel about West Ham and he said 100% he wants to stay at West Ham he wants to he, lo- he loves it there he loves London he loves the club he wants to he wants to he loves Italy as well but he wants to make his mark he's disappointed how the season ended still thinks he's got a lot to give he's only 27 is he I don't know they're what they're about yeah um, and so he's still got time and uh, yeah so it seems like he wants to stay Um, so yeah but he's got to give something back I mean it's like I said earlier you can't you cannot be paid that much money and have no return you just can't you can't. No. So, if, you know, we'll see how much he wants it next season. One thing's for sure, you can't rely on Philly Anderson when you're in a relegation battle. No. Please God, we never see one of them again. But what he isn't is a fighter. No. He's not a roll your sleeves up, get stuck in. No. You know, he is a luxury player. When things are going well, he'll turn it on and he'll create something and he'll excite the fans. But like I say, he's got to be in the right headspace. For I'd that to much rather sell Lanzini than Anderson, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think because... I think and Lanzini since the injury, and I'm going to put it down to that to give the guy a bit of saving grace since he's had that injury. He's just not the same player. No, he's, he's not so ineffective now, mm, um, mm. and I think I would rather sell Lanzini than Anderson if I had to choose between mm. the two. So I'm kind of hoping that he goes ahead of Anderson. You'd get more money for Anderson, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think you would. Yeah, I think you would. But um, yeah, out of the two, I'd rather keep him. Realistically. 
realistically, if we was to sell the two, what do you think we'd get from collectively? In this market where things, I think, have taken a bit of a dive because of um, what's been going on in the world... Thirty million, probably for the pair. Twenty for Anderson, ten for Lanzini. I'm just trying to ten for Lanzini. Come I mean, on. are you really going to get more than ten for Lanzini? Let's be honest. I mean, how old is he? Still twenty-eight, maybe late twenties. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure. But uh, are you going to get more than ten for him? Really? I mean, his um, wages are going to be high. Out of principle, despite the fact that I mean, I call him the Invisible Man. I don't think he's done anything for West Ham in two years now, and I can't see him doing anything for West Ham moving forward. However, on the assumption that potential buying clubs don't know that, which I'm sure they do, I, I just think, out of principle, for a Premier League player that has represented his country, one of the best countries in the world at football, by the way, who is, you know, 28 years of age, some would say he's in his peak, £10 million, that's, that's, that'd be an insult. It's, it's not a, I'm, I'm finding it hard to judge the current market. Yeah, it if, is difficult. That's why I asked the question, because it's not an easy answer. Yeah, if you go back to how things were before COVID, then I'd probably say £20 million because things were so high previous to that. I'd probably say £20 million, but I, I'm trying to predict what I think would happen based upon what I think is going to happen in the transfer market, and that's yeah. that I don't think there'll be as big a money um, exchanged for players as there has been previously. So with that, that's why I said it. But if you go before COVID, maybe 35 for Anderson, 20 for Lanzini. Yeah. Maybe. I'd be interested to know if in his heart of hearts, he'd like a fresh start after two years of not delivering, not getting picked anymore. Yeah. You know, it's at a time of his life where it's probably his last stab at international football, really. Yeah. Be interested to know if he'd want to stay or not. But let's move on. Let's well, move on. Lanzini's 27, just for the 27, record. yeah. Um, I mean, that's still a decent age. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to find Anderson, but um, by typing in Anderson into Google, <laughs> I've brought up, do you remember that midfielder for Manchester United? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'd have to put, right, let's put Felipe Anderson. Felipe Anderson is... 27 as well. 20, yeah, so decent right. ages. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't be happy with 30 million for the pair. No. Um, no it does. I mean, yeah, when you say that, it does seem a bit low. Maybe let's go 40 then. Mm, I still be a little bit... What do you think? It is tough. I, for Lanzini, for the reasons I've given, I would probably take 20. Mm. If I say 30 million pound for Philly Anderson, it... Given just how diabolical he's been, it sounds a lot of money. But do you know what? I am going to say thirty million because he—you could argue—he is just out of form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is relatively young, relatively yeah. young. And on his day, he is a well beater and he is a Premier League player. Yeah, and I think for all those boxes ticked, yeah, I think thirty would be. I think that'd be a good deal for the buying club, to be honest with you. So, in my opinion, you look at 50 for the pair, and I think that's generous. Okay. If, I, if I was West Ham, I'd actually try and push for more than that. Yeah. But, yeah, would I take 50? Probably, yeah, for I'd, the pair. I'd take 50 a million percent. Obviously, it depends how you're going to spend that money. Yeah, oh, yeah, on the assumption that 50 million then gets put back in yeah. to spend on players. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would take 50 million. Um, right. right, next one. Yeah. Best match. Really? Uh, I believe so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've gone down one. Um, so you got uh, Chelsea away, 1-0 win. Chelsea home, 3-2 win. Manchester United home, 2-0 win. Norwich away, 4-0 win. 
Now mm. I'm 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 a little bit surprised by this one. I think so. Norwich away he came last for um, seven percent. Um, obviously, it was a big win. Um, no one was there to see it, but uh, an important win. Then next was Manchester United two 0 eleven percent. Then Chelsea away one nil. 17% and then Chelsea home 3 2 wins 65%. Now it depends how you take this question because if you take it as what it says, the best match, the mm. best match doesn't necessarily mean the one that you've won by the most or the one mm. you've played the best in. It means perhaps the one that was the most exciting. So, based on that assumption, the Chelsea home game was the most exciting because it was kind of like. Wasn't it 1-0? I can't remember now. 1-0, one 1-0, one all, 2-1 to them, 2-all, 3-2, last minute, VAR, penalties. There was all sorts, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, so I think that's possibly why that one's came the highest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think entertainment value, what it meant, how important it was, and the fact that it was Chelsea. I, I probably expected to see a closer percentage between Chelsea the home and away. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I couldn't argue with uh, with the winner of that, in all honesty. Um, next category, lone player you want to see play for us. Yeah, I mean, this one was a bit of a landslide, really. Um, between Holland, Trot, Dean Garner and Hugo. Hugo got 1%. Trot got 2%, Holland got 7%, and Dean Garner got 90%. Mm. I can see in the comment below there, Cullen was thrown into the mix, and that wasn't an option. Is there yeah. a reason for that? Um, because you only got four options, and the reason I didn't go with Cullen was because I tried to do players that had gone out on loan for the first time as such, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cullen's been out on loan so many times now. Yeah. Like, I'm not even sure you can class him as a youngster anymore. No, well, can he you? can't. He's 23, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. I think he's, I think I read he's like 18 months younger than Suchek. And, like, and, he's, and he's obviously older than Declan Rice. You mm. know, you think how much more established they are. Yeah, yeah. So I, did, I just kind of, I mean, it's going to come in my section, what I'm going to say about Cullen, but I just kind of think we've got to get to the point now where... Mm. He's clearly not got it because he plays well at championship level, plays well for Charlton. But in Charlton, did they get relegated this year, Charlton? You should know as an ex-player. Oh, God. <laughs> They've still got close ties with the club, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so, did they? I don't know. So who did? Wigan did. Um... Who else? Is I completely game? towed off with the championship when we Wigan came back. Wigan were definitely one because of the 12 point deduction. Yeah. Um, who else? Their Luton stayed up, didn't they? Barnsley stayed up on the last I day. Mean, maybe they did go then. This is what I'm thinking. I'm pretty sure Charlton might have been one of the teams that got relegated. Right. So he's played. Let's just look it up. We're really exposing our lack of knowledge. Yeah, there. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm, I definitely know Wigan were one, and I definitely know Luton stayed up, and I know Barnsley stayed up because I remember watching it. Um, let's have a look. Uh, bottom is yeah, hole at bottom. Then Wigan, then Charlton. So Charlton, so did, Charlton go down. did go down. So he's playing well, but for a poor side mm, in the championship mm. so I'm not sure but yeah Dean Garner for me I'm excited about Dean Garner next year I think he's actually what we need um, pacey direct old school winger um, West Ham Academy yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to him I'm looking forward to seeing him I think he's deserved a crack at playing um, 
you know, I, I still had concerns about him before he left to go to West Brom. And whilst he had a fantastic season, he, he has done that in the Championship. Now, I'm not going to say... It's unfair to, to pin that against him because at the end of the day, he's gone to the Championship and he's done what was expected of him. And in fact, he's probably over-delivered against it. So, you know, you could argue, if I'm going to say, well, it's, it's the Championship, not the Premiership, and you could argue, well, what's the point in him going alone in the first place? Yeah. I get all that. Do I see him starting especially when I think we're looking to identify targets on the wing. I mean, we'll come to your section soon. I don't know. As a squad player, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely got to be on the bench at least, I think, without a doubt. Yeah. He's earned the right to be, hasn't he? Let's, yeah, let's be honest. Uh, right, goal of the season. And I have to apologise before I did this. Obviously, I was doing this from memory. And then when I then West Ham put something like best all of our goals of the season on, <laughs> and I realised I'd missed a couple that are at the start that are actually really good. Alaire's goal actually it wasn't at the start; it was me. It was Moyes' first game, possibly. But Alaire's goal against Bournemouth was it Bournemouth? Oh God, what's happened to our memory? Um, but yeah, he did a volley goal which should have been included, and I forgot about it. I'm on it with you. So, but the the nominations, despite that, were Alaire versus Watford, which was an overhead kick. Rice versus Watford, which was a curl into the corner. Cresswell against Maynard, which was a free kick, and Yarmolenko against Chelsea, where he cut in. Um, so last place was Alaire versus Watford with eight percent. Cresswell, Man United, 11%. Yarmolenko versus Chelsea, 27%. And Rice, 54%. Yeah, and no one was beating Declan to that, were they? No, he's only goal of the season, but what a goal to Yeah, outstanding. Have. I mean, yeah, Yarmolenko on 27%. I mean, that was a great goal. That was a yeah. great goal, but I just can't see past Deck strike against Watford. That was just unbelievable. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Uh, was cherry on the cake for his season, really. Right, let's talk about the worst performance. Right, so we had Man City at home, 5-0 loss. Oxford away, 4-0 loss. Burnley away, 3-0 loss. And I could have picked any game here, but I went for Leicester City away, 4-1 loss. Can, uh, can you just quickly, can you believe that losing 5-0 at home to Man City was part of last season. I know, it was so long ago. It seems ago. like it was about three years I ago. Know. It was so long ago, mate. Like, I was on holiday then as well. And uh, <laughs> I came back for it. I actually got the train down. From, uh, <laughs> I bet you so, wish you hadn't now. Well, it was my daughter's first ever game as well, a home game for West Ham. <laughs> At least and, you can uh, manage your expectations well, exactly, now. that's right, as opposed to your 7-1 <laughs> yeah. win on your first game. That might yeah. explain why you're so messed up. They <laughs> yeah. lied to you big time on that one. I, yeah. got, I got a boring one-all draw for my first yeah. game yeah. against Portsmouth. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, so the results are 3% Leicester away, 5% Man City home, um, 12% Burnley away a massive 80% Oxford away mm. which again was Roberto yeah. for all four goals yeah oh, well Burnley away was horrendous as yeah, well that performance was that absolutely well. terrible and he was at fault for that but Oxford away not just because of the result and the performance but because of who it was against yeah. another cup competition we got knocked out of yeah. that we, we keep our fingers crossed every single bloody year since 1980 that we'll win something and our, our hopes were dashed against Oxford away, 4-0. I mean, what an absolute embarrassment. So, again, yeah. 80%. Part of me is quite surprised it's as low as that. Yeah. But, yeah, um, a, a worthy winner there for sure. Um, player that you missed the most? This is going to be for gritted teeth. <laughs> and these were players that were that left... Uh, 
um, either before the start of the season or during that season, um, or uh, and they were um, Anelcevic, Obiang, Carroll, and Hernandez, and Hernandez and Ob uh, and sorry, Carroll were joint third with six percent. So I was a bit surprised that because obviously Carroll was there for a long time, mm. and I thought Hernandez was quite popular. Mm. Um, Obiang ten percent. And a big 78% as Arnie. And that's got to be on ability rather than oh, yeah. a personality. Well, well, do you know what? It's got to be on ability. But in which case, I'm surprised Obiang beat Carolyn Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, Obiang was a good player. I think he was all right. Yeah, I think he was all right. I think he first he probably season, underachieved for for just how good he was. Yeah, in my I opinion, think first season he was there. You know, everything was good that season. But mm. he was a good player for us the first few seasons. Scored that goal against Tottenham. Oh yeah, and um, thanks thanks for that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> fucking what a goal that was. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was a, he was a he was a good player, and I guess Carroll. You had the frustration of. Never being fit and earning mm. huge money, mm. and Andes was on shocking wages, really, for what he did. Um, I still feel a bit sad the whole Hernandez thing, the way it worked out. Yeah, another case of probably arguing that he didn't give the forward the right service. Yes, yeah. yeah. Then <clears throat> you look at Hilaire and you look at Anderson. I mean, so you look at Hilaire and you look at Hernandez completely different types of forwards yeah. yet both still got the wrong surface yeah. so when are we actually yeah. going to give the right surface <laughs> to the right forwards it's so true right okay next one favourite kit favourite kit these were the home the away the third and the keepers keepers got 2% third kit got 17% home kit got 35 and the away kit got 46 yeah, I think I voted for home, actually. Did, yeah. yeah, I think the, the away's quite nice, but um, I voted for home. You went for the away, the did away, you? Yeah, and I went to it because, um, because of the fact it's the 1980 kit, and I thought it was quite classy, and yeah, yeah and I did like it. I liked, all, to be fair, I liked all of the kits last year. I liked the home kit, I liked the blue at the top, yeah. um, away kit, sorry, third kit, purple and pink, different combination of colours, but... I thought that was quite a nice kit as well. So yeah. I liked all three of them. Um, don't think the same about the kits this year. Um, Apart from the black one. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a section. Because again, that's, that's lovely. When, that when I was away, though, um, uh, a naff knocked off version from Turkey was on release. <laughs> on, so I don't know if you saw that. No. Uh, but he's actually nicer in the flesh than, than that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the third kit's nice this year. But... I'm not keen on the home and the away one, whereas last year I liked all of them. Yeah, 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 and that's fair enough. Uh, good stuff. Um, thanks to everyone who voted in these awards, and we look forward to doing the same again at the end of next season. X, how hairy is your nutsack? <laughs> Do you know, I've never been asked that question before. Um, um, on a scale of one to ten, <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's too bad. Okay, okay I mean, are you know, sitting on Jason Lee's shoulders? I mean, the, what sort of level were we talking I think about? Kind of in the summertime, I sort of give it a bit of a bit of a, a trim down there. You know, you gotta you gotta keep the garden in order, haven't you? you don't know who's gonna be who's gonna be sitting down there. Um, so so, so uh, yeah, no, I think mine's relatively well maintained. Okay. but could could be better, I guess. It could be better, and there are people out there where it could be a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Um, and if so, you're gonna thank me because <laughs> Manscaped just launched in the UK. 
And you can be one of the first men in England to experience their life-changing products. Now, let's have it right. We've all snagged areas that we don't want to be snagging when we're having a little trim up downstairs. <laughs> and that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower, lawnmower. 3.0 in the UK. How bad are some now, of these Listen, people? these boys ain't fucking about. I don't know if the creators of Manscaped, I don't know, their wife left them because they were too airy downstairs, <laughs> but whatever the motivation was, they're taking this product very, you very seriously. Serious injury from a lawnmower at the best of times, <laughs> let alone down there. I'm to think. But their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge <laughs> ceramic blade uh, to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean it's premium, by the way. The package we received, as in me and X, from them was unbelievable. Got one each, I've clarified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah go on. Yes. I'll finish with mine now. You yes, can borrow exactly. it. I'm definitely not having sloppy <laughs> seconds on that. <laughs> but I absolutely no word of a lie, right? This package, we got clippers, moisturising cream, t-shirt, boxers, even deodorant for your bollocks. It was unreal. Absolutely unreal. Uh, the battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. I mean, fuck me. <laughs> I mean, fuck me. How long you need to shave your nuts, I don't know. But if you want 90 minutes, you can have it with this clipper. That's a whole football match. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but listen, this impressive product also has waterproof technology, so you can groom in the shower. And one of the best features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precisive trim. <laughs> <laughs> They've also upgraded <laughs> to a 7,000 RPM motor <laughs> with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, and, and I'm genuinely saying this, by the way, I, I wholeheartedly mean this, I would encourage you to experience this firsthand yourself. Let your testies be your besties. <laughs> and take advantage of 20% off and free shipping when you visit www.manscape.com and use the code WEST as the company slogan says, your balls will thank you. And let me tell you, my balls have thanked me because now, after using this product, they're as smooth as a dolphin's nose. <laughs> right, a shitload of people have been waiting for this. Okay, mate, no pressure. But everyone's been waiting two weeks for this section. So what you got for us? Um, a fair amount, just to clear up a lot of things, really. Um, and, you know, with this window, it's important to state that I am recording this on Tuesday, no, Wednesday, Wednesday night at, what, 7.30, is it? Something like that. 7.30 on a Wednesday night. So things can change very, very rapidly. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so this podcast could be out of date by the time it goes out tomorrow. <laughs> I'd like to think not, but um, we shall see. Um, so let's kick it off with the thing that people are talking about the most, Declan Rice, right? 
no bid has came in for Declan Rice. I've said this so many times now. Um, journalists, Sky, whoever you want to say, say this because it gets them traction. Mm. They know it's the big story at the moment. And they know, in fairness, there is likely to be a bid from Chelsea at some point. Yeah. I'm not dismissing that. I think Chelsea will come in for Declan Rice at some point. Whether they'll come in with the asking price, I don't know. But I do think they will. However, at this point, they have not come in for him. So all this stuff that bids in and all of this is rubbish, as it was when Declan was supposedly um, demanding a transfer to leave. I can't believe people make these things up about someone or players that are so dedicated to the club without any facts. Mm. You know, it's really out of order. And, you know, I know for a fact through people I know that Declan was really annoyed that someone had put that out about him because he would never he would never jeopardise his relationship with West Ham by requesting a transfer. Declan Rice will not ask to leave West Ham. What could happen is that Chelsea put in a bid that's accepted and he might want to go because it's his boyhood club, it's a bigger club, he's moving on to the next level and the fact that West Ham would have accepted a bid for him would make him think, well I might as well go. Mm. So I'm not saying if Chelsea come in for him he's going to stay at West Ham. However, Chelsea have not bid for Declan Rice that he is due back at the club on Sunday with the rest of the players he's out in Mykonos yes he's out with Mason Mount and Abraham and a few other Chelsea players but that's just because he's mates with them those Chelsea players the centre-back I've forgotten his name now beginning with T Tamoli or something Abraham Mason Mount Declan Rice have all grown up together as kids. They spent a lot of time together. He, Mason Mount is his best mate. He went on holiday with him last year. That's where that video came, where he did that scream, remember, on the yeah, boat? Yeah, So it's not uncommon for him to be on holiday. He is also with Fredericks, Ryan Fredericks, of West Ham. You know, So there are West Ham people that he is with as well, who are his mates. He bumped into Didier Drogba, who was out there, who is his idol. You know, I guess when he was growing up, you think about it, how old he is. He's, what, 21 now? So as a kid growing up, Lampard, Terry, Drogba, Ashley Cole, players like that would have been his heroes. So when you bump into your hero, because Declan loves football, when you see him, you have a photo taken with mm. him. That's all yeah, that, of course you do. That's of all that happened. Do. People making this stuff up yeah. is not true. There has categorically been no bid for Declan Rice. Unless Chelsea come in with a substantial offer, and we're talking north of 70 million, I would say, um, possibly even more, then he will be a West Ham player next year. Or if Ma- Manchester United are interested as well, or if they don't, if they come in with that bid, but he is not going to force a move. He is a West Ham player for now. And that is what people need to hold on to. I will tell people when a bid has been accepted, because I will know, and I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but I've got arguably as good a sources at Chelsea as I have at West Ham. I could, if I wanted to, rebuild, what's the word? Reborn myself. That's not a phrase, is it? <laughs> Rebirth. I don't know what the, I don't know what the correct um, uh, endings to that. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with it. Yeah, thing. I don't know the, what the correct verb is for that. But I could certainly um, resurrect. Let's go with that word. I could resurrect myself as ex Chelsea employee if I wanted. Even though I haven't been an ex Chelsea employee, I could do it in terms of info. <clears throat> so I will know when a bid comes in for Declan Rice. So when people on Twitter say, "Yeah, I'd rather believe this journalist." I 
over some random guy on Twitter. That means to sound arrogant, this random guy on Twitter speaks to very close people at West Ham and very close people at Chelsea. These journalists try to sell newspapers. It's better to listen to this random guy when it comes to that. And as I said, there's been no bid for Declan Rice. A jetty has gone to Celtic. Again, the papers have been saying he's had a medical for the last two weeks. And I was breaking that down and saying that's wrong he did fly into Glasgow today um, he is going to complete the move it's a 4.5 million move um, down payment with 15% um, sell on clause if we sell him and also bonuses within that deal which could take it up to 5 to 6 million depending on whether he meets those bonuses uh, Brentford actually were interested in him as was West Brom I believe which is what was swaying his mind a little bit because he was thinking maybe I want to stay in the Premier League but obviously Brentford didn't make it to the Premier League so that took away that option and West Brom wasn't clear cut how much they wanted him so his mind was a bit all over the place Neil Lennon spoke to him persuaded him and now he's on his way up there um, to sign a permanent deal for Celtic I believe he'll score lots of goals for Celtic mm. I mean it's not hard to score lots of goals mm. in that league but I do think he has the potential to be a very good player. I'm pleased they've inserted a 15% sell-on clause because I do think he will go on and make a bigger move after Celtic um, in terms of money. So, yeah, that's that situation. So that gives us a little bit of money. Um, priority position for us to sign um, is defence, centre-back being the main one. Now, I shut down a story on John Stones um, before I went on holiday. That was that we'd bid £20 million for him. We hadn't bid anything for John Stones. Even if we approach him on loan, it's going to be tricky with his wages. However, I can say that David Moyes does want to sign John Stones. He has a list of centre-backs that he wants to sign. On that list is John Stones as one of the favourites, alongside Phil Jones of Manchester United, um, who he's also worked with. Obviously, he's worked with Stones at Everton. He worked with Phil Jones at Man United and um, Duffy. Of Brighton is another option. West Brom are interested in him, but Brighton, um, uh, sorry, Duffy played with Moyes at Everton at the start of his career. They're the three centre backs, and if you listen to his interviews, he said he wants to sign younger players, but as centre backs, sometimes you need more experienced players. They are, and he also wants to sign a British centre back. Um, uh, I think because obviously they sometimes have a different style to a foreign centre-back and I think to complement Issa Diop or Ogbonna it would be quite well like a ginge type centre-back yeah. um, and I think Ogbonna and Diop have a good partnership but you need that kind of alternative which is what one of those players will offer also on that list is a guy called Malang Sar who is a French so it goes against it a little bit but he can also play uh, left back I think and he's also younger and he's a free transfer so there's talk there there's I mean as I said Stones, Jones and Duffy are the free choices there is also Lascelles at Newcastle who has been linked before I don't think we'll be able to get him in terms of our price range but he is someone that is kind of being looked at Steve Cook of Bournemouth was their captain um, last year he's a centre back 29 um 
I'm not too sure whether he's that good or not. I don't know, but he was Bournemouth's captain. And Craig Dawson of Watford, obviously both Bournemouth and Watford have gone down. So those players' values will be less. However, they aren't the priority. It's the first three, Jones, sorry, Stones, Jones and Duffy that they want. Whether they'll get those three, I don't know. They may move down to these other options. Right back is another position. Um... I forgot his first name. Matty. Matty Cash was someone that we tried to sign in January for around about 15 million. I've been told today that we no longer want to sign him. Now, Matty Cash cut his holiday short yesterday, apparently, and has flown back to England to sort out a transfer deal. But I've been told that it's not to West Ham, that David Moyes is no longer interested in him. Um, other options at right back, two people from Manchester United, um, Delot, who I've mentioned before, and Fosu Mensah, who I think is a right back, um, but he, he's potentially on loan as well. Nathaniel Klein is still out of contract, I believe. Um, don't know if he's going to be someone we look at or not, but he is someone we've looked at in the past, um, so there's potential there. Left back, Rico Henry of Brentford is a is a top target. I've said this numerous times. Manning of QPR is one. However, they feel that Manning could be a bit like Mazuaku in the sense that it's not sure whether he's better as a left winger or as a left back. So I think Henry is the preferred choice. Um, Danny Rose is someone that potentially on loan we could get from Tottenham if they would deal with us. Although I very much doubt it. He goes against the age policy that we'd be looking at. But he is someone we could potentially get on loan. In terms of other signings in midfield, Jeff Hendricks of Burnley is out of contract. He's meant to have almost joined Milan previously. He's someone that we've inquired about for a free transfer. Um, John Lumstram also worked with Moyes at Everton at the start of his career. I don't believe he played under David Moyes, but he was there at the same time. He's done brilliantly for Sheffield United this year. He's just not signed a contract, so we've kind of registered a bit of an interest there. Eze is still a priority. If we can get some money from the sales of other midfielders like Anderson and Lanzini, um, he had an offer from Crystal Palace of 10 million, which they turned down, believing they can get near 20. However, his contract is up at the end of the season, next season, and QPR need money. So Crystal Palace is saying he's not worth that amount of money, um, which is good for us because that's what we wanted to happen. We wanted the transfer to prolong and then for us to maybe sell someone and go in for as a. Um, when I think the player wants to come to us as well, which which is good. Um, in terms of selling players, as I said, for that position, he wants to sell Anderson, he wants to sell Lanzini. I think he quite likes Yarmolenko. So I think out of the three of them, he'd rather keep Yarmolenko despite the age. Um, in terms of forwards, Watkins is probably going to be out of our price range now. Villa are interested in him. I think he's around about 20 million. I don't think we'd spend that on a forward because obviously at the moment we're still going to have Alaire, Antonio, possibly Silver if we chance with him. And then I reckon we'll sign someone else. Um, there's been talk of signing Barini on a free transfer, the Italian that used to play for Liverpool and Swansea and Sunderland under David Moyes. However, David Moyes' relationship with Barini was very strained towards the end of his time there, so I'm not sure if there's any particular truth in that. 
Um, in terms of other things, um, in terms of other players, Cullen and Dean Garner are going to be given their chance. Dean Garner just wants to play football, whether that be at West Ham or West Brom. He wants assurances that he will play um, next year. So him and Cullen are going to get their chance to impress over pre-season. Um, Dan Kemp is likely to go on loan to Stevenage again. Um, Connor Coventry will probably be given a, a championship loan. Having been in League One with Lincoln last year, Nathan Holland is still injured. He's recovering from that. Um, Aji Aless, who is a very highly rated centre-back, um, he needs to sign a new contract because his contract is coming to an end before they can agree what happens with him. So they're waiting for a contract on Aless. Um other information uh, in transfers, Hilaire's instalments have not been paid to his previous club and we're behind on the payments. So it's getting to the point where his club, Frankfurt, wasn't it, are getting really annoyed with us, which is another club that we've now annoyed in the world football by not paying our instalments. Do you know why? Because we're trying, we don't have the money. We're trying to prolong the payments to them. Yeah, um, so I think the Ajeti sale will possibly finance that instalment now rather than going to new players. Um, in terms of other things, the third kit is to be launched on the 28th of August. I'm not sure what day that is, but it's the 28th of August. That kit will be released to the public. Fixtures will be confirmed on the 21st of August. You should be able to hear them first from me. Um, we've got a, you know, a good source at Sky on that. Um, so he should be able to give me the heads up on those fixtures as he does most years. Um Brady, Karen Brady has been asked to drop her column from the Sun um, and the chairman really want her to do that. I don't think she's made a decision yet as to whether she will or not because she makes quite a lot of money from it. But I think under the assumption that we stayed up, she would drop that column. Whether she's actually finally agreed to do that, I don't know. Um, but um, maybe we will see from next season. The players come back this Sunday where they'll be doing a load of COVID tests to check whether... Anyone's got it, obviously. Um, there is more I could say on this, but I will not um, because it's not for me to say. But uh, that'll be interesting to see what happens at, at the end of that. Um, the players will then start their pre-season. Not confirmed, so please don't quote me on this. But I think they could be going to Scotland um, on the Tuesday to St Andrews, possibly. Not confirmed, but they could be. And guess who else will be there at that time? <laughs> so that shall be quite interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but I think they are staying in Britain. I don't think there's going to be any tours to anywhere else um, from what I know. But as I say, it's not concrete. But I think they'll be playing Brit English teams. There will be a Betway Cup. It's, a, it's an obligation of the sponsors to do that. But I think it will be against an English team rather than you know, the traditional foreign opposition. Mm. And obviously it'll be behind closed doors as well, which is just, I don't know, it's the most dead game ever. But mm, anyway. Pointless. Isn't it? Yeah, there's been talk of Antonio getting a hundred grand contract in the next few weeks. Don't know where that's come from. All contracts are renewed at Christmas time. Um, and... He is no exception to that. There are a number of players whose contracts are up at the end of the year. Notable ones being Antonio, Noble, Fabianski, 
Balbuena. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with their contracts, but it won't be till this early that we'll be giving Antonio a contract. So I don't know why that one came out. Um, and that, I think, concludes the section. Although, obviously, whether I, I will hear information whether I'm abroad, when I'm not abroad, when I'm on holiday, I may choose to tweet it. I may let you tweet it out. I may put it on the West Ham Way Twitter account. Facebook account, Instagram account, we shall see, or I may not, but things will start to happen now. All the players come back on Sunday, right? So that is when transfers and everything is going to kick on. And as I've said on previous shows, there is something at the end of the window which could be quite interesting, um, but it's nothing major. Well, depends which way you look at it, but it'll be, it'll be interesting anyway. So it's been, yeah, that's it. That's the section. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, but I can't help but feel underwhelmed at the same time. Well, the time. finances are the issue, mate. No, so, so, so let's talk about that then. For, for those that don't know, what is the problem that we've got? The problem is, and whether it's a genuine problem or not, this is whether you trust the board or not. And I can imagine where most of our listeners would sit on this. The board are peddling the line that they have no money. They have no money for transfers. They have no money for wages. They may even be tempted if they can't transfer some of our big earners out to loan them out. So it could even be that Felipe Anderson goes out on loan rather than a permanent signing to get the wages off the book books. The transfers are limited because we don't have any money. Now, I do think we will find some money from somewhere because in all my experience of doing this as an ITK now, every window we are told we don't have this money, we got to sell this player, we don't have this, we don't have that, and somehow money is found because it was for Bowen, it was for Suchek kind of, uh, in January even though he was on loan, it was for Randolph. So I think we will find money if we need to find it, but the line that's being pushed at the moment by the club through their trusted sources, shall I say, is that we have no money. But why? Because of the the pandemic. And they've lost... I mean, shall I tell you? I can tell you word for word what I was told today by someone very good. I don't usually do this, but I'm actually going to read word for word a message from someone. Okay. Um... Oh, I've actually had two emails sent to me since then. That's interesting. Um, so it says, with a loss of 50 million in Gate Corporate Club Shop program programs, share of catering this season and last, we are struggling like most Premier League clubs, even finishing where we did in the league. Off the oh, something I don't understand what that bit says. Off the prediction at the start of the season cost us 15 20 million. So they're saying that they predicted we'd finish at this point in the league and we didn't. So that's cost us 15 20 million. And then it says fans should have hope. Look at how we finished the last seven games. The 40 million we spent on Bowen and Suchek really improved us. I just, you know, I, I know I'm I'm going back to an old age argument now, and I don't think it's ever going to go away. But I, I just can't believe that we are now what the what is it third or fourth season now since leaving the bowling, yeah. and we're still having this conversation. West Ham have no money. 
talking about reasons why. The club giving the same old fluff and bollocks as to why they've got no money. You know, all the clubs in the Premier League have been affected by it. But in the same breath, you're telling me that Ollie Watkins is no longer an option because £20 million too much. But Aston Villa are going to fucking pay it. So how's that possible? Apparently David Moyes no longer interested in Matty Cash, yet he's flying back to sign for a club other than West Ham. How does David Moyes suddenly not become interested in one of his top targets? Is that because actually he's too much money? Well, he actually did that with Antonio Robinson. If you believe what certain sources say. See, where I sit is that I have different sources. So it's hard to say without giving away too much, but certain sources get their information from the board. It's very obvious which person, which website in the West Ham world gets their information from the board. I've said it on the show before, we know it. Some people, if they're ITK, which I very much doubt many are, might know a player, right? Some might know one scout. Where What is different with me is that I have the board side, so to speak, or people close to the board. I have players, I have coaches, I have scouts, I have agents, I have people in other clubs. So generally, I can hear news on a, a whole, what's the word, scope of it. Like I don't hear one narrative. Um, the narrative, however, I'm getting from the board side of things is that there is no money no money at all um and i don't know why we are the only club that seems to be saying i mean they're saying that other clubs are suffering from it i but you don't like you say you don't see that other clubs are spending money um i think prices will go down but people are still spending money uh it's it's the failings of our board to have the money that they should have either through poor business not opening up enough assets to west ham or lying it depends which way you look at it but the fundamental thing is our club are saying we have no money for players i i I just think you know I would say patience is wearing thin now, but I think patience has been wearing thin with the board for a hell of a long time. But I just think to be going into the fourth or fifth season in this new stadium, having just come through another relegation scrap at the start of a new season, you know, potentially being linked with nothing but championship players, which don't get me wrong, you know, we've we've put up an argument as to why that's a good strategy, but ultimately in black and white, we are looking at a division lower for players now. And certain players are too expensive. And that's not just one or two. It seems to be two or three targets now where their price tag's putting us off. It does literally seem again that we have no money. And the the reasons associated with that, for me, is just bollocks. I, I, I wouldn't mind betting that this pandemic has come at such a fantastic time for the owners of this football club because they can play that card. Yeah, 100%, man. Look how it stopped the marches as well. Exactly, yeah. the protests. It's been literally a godsend for them. On the back of the fact that we stayed up, so we stayed up, we have no marches anymore and they can use this excuse. It's an absolute godsend to them. I meant to say about Robinson, I distracted myself that we were interested in Robinson and I've had someone say to me, and you know, he he went, I think, I don't know if he's completed his move yet, but it looks like he's going to Sheffield United for two million, right? I think. Um, I also forgot to mention that centre-back from Wigan as well. He's someone we're interested in. 
bloody forgotten his name now. I've mentioned him on the previous show. He is another sense back. Um, we watched him. Anyway, what the narrative is, and again, it depends who you believe, is that Moyes went and watched Robinson play for Wigan and then didn't rate him. Well, on the back of one on game. The, but that's what he did with Madison. See, <sighs> fuck's and I, sake. And this, is, and this is one of the reasons why, when there was Moyes euphoria mm. on the back of winning two fucking games in a row, I'm like, you know, you, you, you've got to put this into perspective. How can you watch a player based on one game and you've got no fucking scouting network? Can you make a logical decision on whether that player can make it in the Premier fucking League? I 100% agree with you. And do you know what? It really, what the, the, what the bad thing about Madison was? Madison was playing for Norwich in the Championship against Chelsea in the FA Cup and he was judged on that game and decided that he wasn't good enough to play for West Ham. Now, Madison... I know people know how much I bigged him up and I actually, I did everything I could. I wrote to every chairman. I wrote to the manager. I wrote to players. I wrote to Norwich. I tried all I could. Tried to get Madison to West Ham. I think he is exactly what we need now because he's exactly what Lanzini isn't. An attacking, creative midfielder. He's good on set pieces. He's a bit of a prick at times but I think we need that in terms of our squad um, he he um, he would have been perfect but Moyes judged him on one game but then but then where do you lie with this because who is to blame is it Moyes would they have paid two million for Robinson would they pay um, uh, who's the player with just a Matty Cash would they pay 15 million for him would they have paid it anyway even if he wanted this player I mean, he wants Eze, and we still haven't paid that money. So, uh, so at the moment, whose fault is it? Is it the manager? Is it the chairman? Is it the fact that no one wants to play for West Ham? But whatever it is, there's something not right. Yeah, well, it's everything, isn't it? We've said it before, it's everything. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the ball because they haven't got a decent scouting network to come back to the board and David Moyes with a list, comprehensive list of upcoming top talent around Europe. You pay for that expertise for a reason. You can't expect... Granted, he signed Jared Bowen, he signed Suchet. You can't take that away from David Moyes. Hats off, one million percent. But you can't expect him to build a, a squad of wonder kids. The diamonds in the rough that everyone else has missed. You can't pin all of that down on David Moyes. Mm. This is what big clubs have scouting networks for and infrastructure in place and strategy implemented in football clubs for. And it's no coincidence that that is why these clubs get the biggest successes. And they do bring through players that you've never heard of that then turn out to be well-beaters. We're not going to do that at West Ham and we're also not going to do that when we're refusing to pay more than £5 million, £10 million for a player. And what, what is it, you know, where's the talk of all these players going out? There's lots of players coming in in terms of the shortlist, which we don't have any money for. But who, I mean, is there any conversation at the moment around players that are going out of the oh, football club? Oh, yeah, I club? mean, they're trying to get rid of as many players as they can, pretty much. I mean, on the list of players they want to get rid of, you could put um, Anderson, Lanzini, Yarmolenko's a bit 50-50. I think they kind of want to keep hold of him unless a bit, but they realise they've got a lot of wingers. Um they would get rid of Wilshire if they could, Balbuena, Masaraku, um, Cresswell possibly, uh, Roberto obviously. So there's about six or seven players that they're actively trying to get rid of. But again, people don't want to buy these players. People don't want to buy Anderson because he costs, 
he's going to cost you 30 whatever 30 million let's say and he's going to you're going to have to pay 100 whatever it is thousand for a player that we know hasn't performed mm. you know so no one no one wants Lanzini he's injury prone who the hell was going to sign Jack Wilshire? I mean let's be honest like the guy hasn't played football for five years has he and he's on 100 odd grand a week no one's going to sign Jack Wilshire with any sense um Mazuaku Who's going to sign him? No one knows what his best position is, really. Mm. Um, is he Has he proved himself in the Premier League? Very debatable. Cresswell, since his injury. You know, the, don't forget that Aaron Cresswell was a good left-back for West Ham once upon a time. He was a very good player for us. Um, since he got that bad injury, he's not the same player now. I mean, realistically... But why is it, though, mate? Why is it that once again it's West Ham? Once again it's West Ham are the club that... You know, seem to be in the Premier League. When you look at clubs, they're either overachieving clubs, clubs that are achieving what they should be achieving. But there's very, I think it's very rare. You look at the squads in that division that are massively underachieving. You could potentially, given the finish, throw Everton in there. They had a poor finish, and and they should be higher than they are for the squad that they've got. But without a shadow of a doubt, West Ham once again have this squad of stars, massive wage bills. And we've just beaten another relegation scrap. And now going into the new season, we can't build on that again because, once again, there's no money. It's like, I'm not saying anything that West Ham fans haven't been saying for years now, but why have we moved from Upton Park to be in the position that we're in? Fighting relegation, not watching a, a style of play with the exception of the last seven that, that we're excited by, not having a manager that we can truly buy into, not seeing shitloads of money spent every single summer, seeing us go from strength to strength to strength. We just seem to be treading water once again. I know. It, I think there's the, the, an obvious answer there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. Well, there is an obvious answer. Yeah. I, I don't think whether you say they've got the right intentions or they haven't got the wrong intentions... Uh, uh, sorry, I haven't got the right intentions. It, and I think most people know what they think about the, the board. If you take out any personal feeling towards the board, factually, they obviously don't have enough money to to be chairman of a Premier League team, yeah. if if what they're saying is true. Yeah. Either yeah. they may have the money and they're not showing it, but whatever the case is, they are not giving the West Ham enough money to be a competitive Premier League team. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And they haven't given us a stadium that, you know, they're improving a stadium, <coughs> but that could have, whole situation could have been managed a million times better. There's so much, that, so many things that could be managed so much better at West Ham. And you have to say, if we had the owners of another club, that, uh, sorry, owners that were wealthier, we would hopefully be in a much better position. I mean, you can argue that they did spend a lot of money on Pellegrini and on Anderson and mm. on Alaire. Yeah, and stuff, granted. But again, they've not spent it correctly. Mm. You know, it was Alaire the right person to sign for West Ham, regardless of whether you think he's a good player or not. If you don't think he's done that well this year, or, or you rate him, people say he hasn't had the right service. So by definition, we shouldn't have signed him, really, because we don't have the right players for him. Anderson, again, should we have signed Anderson? Is he a West Ham player? Not saying he's not a good player or, uh, or not, but was he the right recruitment? The recruitment's all wrong. Why did you sign Wilshire? Mm. That's a pointless signing. Yeah. If it weren't going to 
have said that. Um, so there's just so much that needs doing. And even if you throw 200 million in transfers, you've got to buy the right player. I'd rather sign someone like Suchek, who is the right player, or um, than someone like, you know, for 50 million. You pay 2 million if you can, but mm. get the right person. See, I sometimes feel that I, I'm, I'm contradicting myself because... On the one hand, I want them to throw money at the transfer market and bolster that squad and get us better than we are. But then in the same breath, and I've said this for a couple of seasons now, I think we're, we're probably the, t- the, the best team outside of the top six or seven, which actually is pretty good going on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd take that as a West Ham fan. So then I think to myself, if that's the case, if this squad is as good as I believe it is, it's got to be the manager. Yeah, and, and and I know everyone is fucking wanking themselves off over David Moyes at the moment, which is ridiculous. But let's see what he does next season. I'll hold my hands up. If if he finishes seventh or eighth next season, I'll say fair enough. I did underestimate him. I don't think he will be. But do you know what? Again, a domino effect of that is, I don't think the board can can attract better than he can. But because I I honestly believe if Pochettino took over this football club tomorrow. Then we would we would achieve that top seven finish, top yeah. seven eight finish, with the squad that we've got. Because yeah. I think you need someone that can get the best out of those players, work with them on an, an individual See, then level. You're defending, tactically defending the board in a way. Then no, I, no, I'm not. Because on the, on the flip side, I've just said the board can't attract better than David Moyes, and that is their own doing. They've but done that themselves. How have they then managed to attract a Pellegrini or a squad to get you seventh in the league? Well, because if you're looking at Pellegrini, he was out of the country. He'd been out of the game, Premier League game in English football for a couple of years, I think. He was at an age where I think he spotted a retirement fund opportunity. And I think, actually, looking at it, Pellegrini probably exploited the ball a little bit, thought that he had a big name, big reputation, too big for West Ham, and he probably knew that West Ham would jump at the chance, which we did. Me and you were the same. When he got appointed, we were like, fucking brilliant, but well we, done, Bolt. But what I'm saying is that we we must have been able to attract something somehow for for you to say that the squad could get seventh with Pot... Pot-, Pot-, Pot- I can't say it because of the way you pronounce it. Yeah. Pot- Potocino, um That we would be able to get seventh with the squad that we've got. Yeah. So we must have been able to attract a seventh place squad somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so then... If we can attract that, why? Why? What's the problem? Like, what? What the board must be all right to work for? Well, because at the end of the day, whilst the players we're attracting are good enough on paper, we've we've just finished sixteenth in the league or wherever it was. So whose fault is that? I, I think I honestly believe we don't have a manager that can get the best out of those players. Right. Now, I believe through recruitment of certain players, when you look at players like Fabianski on a free, brilliant. Dior. On a free, we paid for him. Oh, sorry, no, we did, didn't we? Yeah. I'm thinking of his. Uh, I'm thinking. I think we paid his agent more than we paid for yeah, Fabianski, we paid didn't about we? Eight million for him. Uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Diop, good signing, lots of potential. Ogbonna, solid centre half, great signing. Creswell shot his bolt now. Fredericks, jury's out. Declan Rice, outstanding, came through the academy. Suchek. Credit to Moyes, he picked him up on that. Mark Noble's been there since day dot. Philip Anderson, actually, when you look at his first season, we all thought he was a brilliant signing, but just can't get going these days. Jarrod Bowen, excellent signing. So actually, and, and Halea, we've all got our theories as to whether he can make it or not. Um, so actually, you, you look at these signings and you think, 
it's not as if we can literally go one by one and say this, this, there's holes and there's problems within the squad left, right and centre. Who's to blame for us not kicking on? I think, first and foremost, I think it's, it's, it's the manager. That's the first person I turn to, is the manager. David Moyes is not the man to fulfil the potential of the quality that we have in this squad. Now, credit to the board, I will say, whilst we have frustrations year after year and we want to kick on and we want to see them get even better than they are, they have to take some credit for signing off on the players that we've got to be in this position. But when it comes to recruiting a manager, which is the final piece of the puzzle to make everything tick, they failed. And they failed because as it stands, they cannot attract better than David Moyes because the reputation they've created for themselves I don't think there's a manager out there that would want to work for him no I don't think there is either um, that's, and that's the that's the sad thing you know you only have to listen to Sam Allardyce who is a obviously a very well respected person in football and a strong character that ultimately got the England job um, although he mm. fucked that up but um, that he <laughs> um, even he struggled to work with that board because mm, he just yeah. said that there's such hard, you know, he can't, yeah. he can't. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just so frustrating because, you know, you find yourself supporting West Ham, but is it really the West Ham that we grew up supporting? It's so different now. Mm, yeah. I know football is different, full stop. But it's a different stadium. Doesn't different badge doesn't really feel the same. You know, if I was to go back in time, would I want the stadium moved? No, I wouldn't. Mm. Would I want Sullivan and Gold to take over? Probably not. You know, it just feels like in the all the years I've supported West Ham, my favourite period of supporting West Ham was late 90s, you mm. know, when we had Rio yeah. and Sinclair and Di Canio and, yeah, same uh, you know, Canute, Carrick. We had some great players in those days. We've, we're not the same now. We're worse no, now. No, Like, you know, no. what does that show? I don't think the fans have ever been as divided as they are now either, no. you know. I mean, obviously, when I say now, I don't mean present day. I mean, especially since the stadium move. You know, I don't know, obviously social media plays a massive part of that and that weren't around in the late 90s, so you've got to take that into account. But I just think everything, everything collectively, not just with West Ham, but with football, and we're going into a different debate now, but the commercialisation of football and how everything's about money now. But that's a knock-on effect with the players because now players don't necessarily play to win. They, they, they're they all rock stars now. They're all untouchable superstars. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's why when they come to West Ham, they don't have respect for West Ham. In their eyes, they're fucking bigger than West Ham yeah. on their 150 grand a week. Imagine how you must feel as an ex-player of, let's say, an even Wardy's generation, yeah? Mm. Where you were like, you missed out by, say, 10 years on just being an absolute multi multi-millionaire like the yeah, difference between being a top level footballer to now I mean you know if you think of McAvenny Cotty Alvin Martin um, players like that that were playing in the sort of um, in the ninth, like you know late 80s 90s 10 years later mm. how much more wealthy would those players mm. be now mm. you know like um, you know Neil Webb of um, mm. Notts Forest, Manchester United, yeah. England, quality midfield player had to be a postman when he left yeah. being oh, yeah. a footballer because he just couldn't afford to yeah. carry on without being that. And you think he's yeah. the equivalent of a I don't know in the modern game who you could compare him to. I'm trying to think of a player like him, but 
There's I, loads of examples. Yeah, and, and it's just it's just ridiculous. Well, do you it? know? I mean, look at the season of 1986 where we nearly won the league. Probably the most exciting season in terms of quality that this football club has ever seen. We were littered with talent from the, the back to the front. What an incredible starting eleven that was. Now, in amongst that talent, that incredible season, the players' players' vote, so who the players thought was the best player that season, was Alan Dickens. Yeah. And he's a cab driver. Yeah, 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 true, exactly. That's exactly it. And, yeah, it's sad, really. It really is sad. And, that, and that's why I think you find... What it hasn't also been helped by the current protection certain players get as well. Like, you know, we've had on our podcasts and our events so many ex players, um, and we've interviewed so many people. But now, even though we've done it before with Snodgrass and Declan and Nathan Holland and people like that, we are not allowed to interview current players. Now, I yeah. actually haven't told you this. Um, I actually spoke to a current player. Um, not who the ones you'll probably think off the top of your head another one um uh the other day just on just on social media and we were talking about the podcast he listens to it blah 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 blah. and i said when you leave west ham you'll have to make sure you come on and he said i'll come on now and i said mate you won't be allowed to come on now and he was he was like i'll check it with the media team and i'll I'll come on and i said i'm telling you mate you can ask them but they won't let Mm. you come on Mm. and he was like but we're only gonna be talking about things mm. that are significant to him and um and he was and he was and he was and I was like mate trust me we were due to have Robert Snodgrass on again we were due to have Declan Rice on um we were due to have whoever else we were due to have they won't let us do it yeah. and I think that now that the players are so protected like that mm. it gives them that air of like invincibility yeah it does it does 100% there's so many factors so many factors but I think we could talk all night about this subject we really could but the most important thing for this week in particular was hearing it from the horse's mouth seeing where we are seeing what's going on with a football club in the transfer market and you've got it and that's where we are so thank you my friend that was interesting another and, player, anything else to add yeah just something for another player that we'll try and get rid of is Hugo after yeah. I mention him he'll yeah. try and go I think QPR want to sign him on loan again so, so is it feasible for him to be used in the Ezra deal it, it could but it could be that, that yeah we could use him but they don't they it, most clubs are going to struggle to sign Hugo on a permanent basis because his wages again he's on 35 40,000 so on terms of those wages you need a Premier League club to come in for him really a Premier League club's not going to sign Jordan Hugo mm. um, because he's not proven in the Premier League never played in the Premier League West Ham won't play him in the Premier League even yeah. though we need a striker so in terms of him you know, he'll probably go on loan again. Unless QPR take a lower fee for Ezra and we pay his contract up. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I don't know. Who well, knows? Yeah, but I think it could happen. But Ezra is a is definitely on the wish list, along with, you know, I repeat myself on these columns because the transfer targets remain the same. Yeah, yeah. But you can trace back me identifying these players to, like, April, May, so yeah, yeah. yeah Go very back true. on previous shows. A good thing to do is just to put XWHU employee and then just put like 
Nudes. Or news or transfer. No, it's like nudes. Oh, nudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with this bull shape, huh? you know, I might, I might be something I start. start well, the, the sponsors have requested that. Have actually, they? I said you'd do it. I mean, I'm, well, no, I mean, I read it, so you can show me. Their business will collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Rel- relying on my nudes, seriously. I mean, I, unless they've got all over body shaver, I think they're going to be uh, a bit disappointed. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, mate, interesting stuff, and uh, and it's good to. Um, have all that cleared up so hopefully that's um, that's what everyone was waiting for I for one like I said feel a little bit underwhelmed by the whole situation but like everyone else now at least we know where we stand so thank you very much mate Welcome back to the final part of the show where, as always, you've been kind enough to send us your questions and X is going to read them out. So this first one's from At West Ham in Vegas, which is John Black. Um, so, good Hello, friend John. of ours. Welcome back, fellas. We should be packing for LA. Oh, done. So, yeah, this coming weekend was, I think, was the was the one. Depressing. And yeah. that, we'd still been brown from Brisbane the month before. How did this happen, mate? <laughs> uh, it's depressing. Such an exciting Yeah, summer. I know. Um, Shit, mate. Shit. Uh, question is, is there anything to David Gold's Twitter hiatus? How do you pronounce that word? Hiatus? I've not seen him since March. He has been quiet, hasn't he? I think he's just been stung by abuse, really. Do you think like, so? I think so. Like Anything he says or tweets... People just go for him, don't they? So he must just think, what's the point? That's why Dave Sullivan Jr. is taking himself off pretty much every social media platform. Jack Sullivan only ever really treat, tweets about the ladies' team and yeah. then retweets things. because. And even then, when he does that, he just gets tons of abuse under that as well. So they, there's there's almost no point in them doing it mm. because no matter what they say... Mm. It's going to be abuse. Yeah, so well, it makes sense, doesn't it? I think that's probably why. Um, this is from at Ellis McFarlane. Ellis McFarlane, sorry. Um, do you think Sky Sports News create transfer rumours in order to generate traffic and income via Skybet? Oh, mate, you know better than anyone, 100%. A million times, mate. Look at the Declan Rice story yesterday. Yeah. Broke on Sky, bidding £50 million for Declan Rice. Mm. I checked it out. Found out from both. No, I found out from the from so, uh, someone close to the player's agent, someone at Chelsea, someone at West Ham. Absolutely no truth in it. I tweet it out there within within a couple of well, not even that, a couple of minutes, shall we say? Um, everyone's now saying there's no bid, including Sky. So I put a tweet out and said Sky now denying their own story mm. that there's been a bid for Declan Rice, and that just sums it up. Yeah, because if if you if you big up that a transfer is likely to happen, and as I've said earlier, don't get me wrong, Declan to Chelsea could happen, but if you big up a transfer that's going to happen, people will go, right, I'm going to get on that, yeah? And then if it doesn't happen, then they, um, then they make money either way. I made a classic terrible error with bets, right? I was sitting in front of Sky News, yeah? And it broke on Sky News. This is about two, this is a long time ago talk about five years ago, I don't know, that Mark Hughes was going to become Aston Villa's manager. He was going to leave Fulham and come out and it came up breaking the headline, Hughes to go to Fulham, no, to Villa, to, to Villa. So I quickly 
just got onto Skybet and thought, right, I'm just going to smash some money on this quickly because it hadn't been updated. And he was like five to one or something. And the way Sky had worded it, it was almost like it was a done deal. So I whacked on like, I think a grand possibly from memory on that it was going to happen. Think nice five grand, it's going to be sweet. And then it fell through. And it's and Hughes decided he wasn't going to go to Aston Villa because he didn't like the fact that, I don't know, they'd been so open with their discussions or something like that. And, I, and basically Sky lied. And I, and I bought it and I lost all that money on it. Yeah. And they do that with everything. Look at Maxi Gomez last year. They were repeatedly saying he was practically a signed West Ham player. Yeah. He was never that close. People turn around and say... Oh, I'd much rather trust Sky with their millions of listeners than me say. But I have no intent. I have no, what's the word, exterior motive for giving West Ham news. My mm. motive is to give accurate transfer news. Yeah. I have no other motive. What, what, what else do I do it for? Whereas they do it for bets and adverts and hits to websites and things like that. Mm. So... You're best taking most of these things with a pinch of salt until they're holding up the shirt. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's it. Um, at Simon T, sorry, no, at Tom Senek, um, the owners say club will remain in their families, but are David Gold's family as keen on taking over their dad's shares like the Sullivan boys are when the inevitable happens, or are his shares the most likely to go on the market? Yeah, well, we've had this discussion before, and I, for one, Especially when you talk about the the gold girls, I can't see why they would want to be that heavily involved with West Ham, especially when they see all the stress that their dad would be going through. Sullivan's the same to a degree. I mean, Jack's Jack's more made for that kind of role, and he's cutting his teeth obviously with the with the ladies now. I don't think Dave Sullivan Junior wants anything to do with it. I'd be very surprised if he grabbed that with both hands. So really and truly, I think you're only talking about one of the kids from both families that actually might be interested. Now, you know, I, who knows? I don't know. But I would I would not be surprised if when the time comes, ultimately, that those shares would be sold. And that's just my opinion. Yes, in my opinion is that they would want it. Now, the reason I say that is that if you think when we interviewed David Gold, um, Vanessa, mm. was that? Yeah, that was the one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, she... Um, who's incidentally stopped following me on Twitter for some reason. So yeah, She still follows me. Does she? Yeah, she asked how you was the other day, but uh, <laughs> I said, still... come on, Vanessa, they're shutting the restaurant in 10 minutes. Better make money. <laughs> I wonder why she did that. I think she must have picked up and I was saying anti-board stuff, honestly, because she followed me for eight. We used to talk occasionally and now she just doesn't follow me. So, But um, I think when she was at the podcast, she said that, that she was interested. And I'm pretty sure her husband... Is a big West Ham fan, um, and so I think they would be interested. But who knows? I mean, yeah. But the thing is, though, and I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone that inherits a football club, especially when I don't know them inside out. But you know, love them or hate them, David Gold and and David Sullivan are both football fans, both West Ham fans, and regardless of the job they've done, you understood the motive behind them buying West Ham, wanting to buy West Ham. But when you inherit a football club, like the Gold Girls would do when their dad passes, what's the motivation? What's the enthusiasm? Especially when you look at, actually, over the last 10 years, it can't have been enjoyable for them to be part of. You know, if, if David Gold was nothing to do with West Ham, they wouldn't launch a bit to buy it, would they? 
Who knows? I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, how big West Ham fans are they? I, I mean, know. look, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, as a betting man, I would say that it's not on their wish list for the for the future. Yeah. Well, if they let us interview David Gold again, which we were due well, he did to agree do, to come back he on, didn't he? Agreed to come back on, but then again, he's now yeah not doing that. So yeah, we can ask. Um, at Ian Deakin 16 if the board stick with the current line of sell to buy and we miss out on the main targets as looks likely can you see anything other than another relegation battle next season I honestly I honestly I don't want to burst everyone's bubble I think under David Moyes we will only ever be treading water I believe that because you know there's also an argument that even if we get the players we want are we going to excel under David Moyes I don't think he's the greatest tactician. I don't think his in-game management is good enough. I don't think when your policy is going to look at a really highly sought-after player once and him having an average game and walking away from that potential transfer is great. I don't think you know he's the best at keeping a lead, as he's, as he's proved, partially Pellegrini, partially him. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's the best at getting the best out of these players. So I really do feel that first and foremost, as long as we have David um, Moyes in charge, that we're not going to kick on as a football club. I have said that these players are better than what they're doing at the moment. And the only way we're going to see the best out of those players is if we have an exciting manager that can work with them and get the best out of them. I don't think Moyes is that man. I think we'll be slightly better next year than we were this year. No, but that's still shit. I know, isn't it? you know it is. I know it is. I, I agree with you, by the way. I think we'll be fourteenth, fifteenth, maybe. Well, that's another underachieving season. I know, then. I know. but that's what I think. I, I can't see us breaking the top ten. When you think about it, you've obviously got the obvious clubs like Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. That's seven teams that are definitely going to be mm. above us. Everton probably eight, Leicester that's nine. Um, then you could say Sheffield United. Will they repeat the success of last year? Don't know. Newcastle mm. probably better than us. Did uh, you say Burnley? They always seem to Burnley put up a, a fight every year, team, didn't they? they? Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the promoted teams, you know, Leeds might. Did be you say there. Wolves as well? Oh yeah, I forgot Wolves. Wolves, so, they'll be there. So yeah, Southampton arguably better than us. So you know, I, I, yeah, I think fourteenth, fifteenth again, unfortunately. So I mean, I've often said about where I believe we are on paper, and I think seventh. Look, I think that's probably a little bit enthusiastic, to be fair, but. Certainly, I think there's a fair argument for, for a top eight side with that squad on paper, in my opinion. What's your thoughts? I think, individually, we have a very strong squad. So if you say, yeah. right, as a left winger, we have a very strong left winger. Yeah. As a centre-back, we have a very strong centre-back. As a central midfielder, we have a very strong central midfielder, and so on. However, I don't believe that they have a very strong team. I think that, I think the the chemistry and the setup for the for the team is not right so it doesn't matter you could have i mean obviously this is a bit of an exaggeration but you can have messi in that team and we still wouldn't be that great because i just don't think the whole setup and chemistry and tactics are right so individually on paper yes we have a strong team but on the pitch we don't but I also think that is that is also down to management, surely. Because, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, that's you know, a not not factor. not every successful team out there surely hits the nail on the head with with chemistry and oh, camaraderie. No, they, don't. they don't. You're going to get so many different personalities from so many different countries and cultures. 
So, you know, but it somehow seems to work for everyone else other than West Ham. But it's like, look at Manchester United when they had um, Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole. The two players Mm. just didn't speak to each other. They hated each other, Mm. yet they could go on to the football pitch. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. But that, that, you're right, is man management. But it's also the mental strength of those players. You know, Teddy Sheringham, one absolute legend of the English game, really. Mm. You know, what he achieved for many clubs and obviously went on to play for as long as he did. Andy Cole, one of the best ever finishers in the Premier League. You know, Mm. two of the arguably best English forwards in recent times. They just obviously had mentality as another factor. You know, Teddy Sheringham worked his way up from Millwall to be what he was. Andy Cole was released from Arsenal or sold from Arsenal to Bristol City at a young age. Ian Wright, you know, another one came up from, was noticed very late by Crystal Palace a lot of these players are not just very good players but they have the right mentality look at Ravel Morrison talent wise one of world class arguably mentality wise not even non-league you know it's got to, you've got to have the right players in the right team and the right manager yeah yeah true but then at the same time you know what, what all of these successful clubs have in common is a philosophy um, a manager that demands respect and someone that has individual management of these personalities and characters. You can go outside of football. I mean, look at the Chicago Bulls in, in the 90s. Look at Dennis Rodman. Now, Chicago Bulls are down as one of the greatest teams in the history of basketball. But Dennis Rodman was the complete opposite to what you were describing. He would miss training sessions. He'd not be available for games. He'd go out on the piss the night before a game and no one would know where he is. They're expecting to see in the locker room and he ain't there. But his coach got the best out of him and knew how to manage him specifically and mould him into a team and actually get him working perfectly with players that off the pitch he probably wouldn't want to socialise with. But again, that comes down to the manager. I think if you've got these great players... You have to get that chemistry from working together and implementing something that makes sense on the training pitch and do team bonding sessions in the right way and manage them individually on their confidence and their self-belief and then gelling all of that together tactically to make it all come together on a match day. Now, are we going to get that from David Moyes? I don't see it. No, but... Maybe, but I I don't know if there's a manager that we would get it from that would come to West Ham. And that's the problem. Yeah. So Um, when you was asking me earlier, so what have the ball got wrong if they've got a squad that you think so highly of, that's exactly it. They've fallen at the final hurdle where they've damaged their own reputation so much that they can't attract a better manager than David Moyes to continue the good work they did with some of those signings and take those boys forward. It's double-edged sword. Yeah, fair enough. Um, at Roger underscore J underscore, come on your irons. He's a good lad, Roger. Does a lot for Isla Caton. So, yeah, good man. Um, big respect to you. Um, hi, fellas. What is your favourite footballing moment not involving West Ham? That one moment that made you go, oh, wow. Mine is Gaza drinking... Dinking, sorry, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty right first time. I was going to say easy mistake to make there. <laughs> Mine is Gaza dinking the ball over Colin Hendry and scoring a sublime volley versus Scotland in Euros '96, and then lying in the dentist chair. Mm. Hashtag limbs. Yeah, I mean that was a special moment. 
if you think of it in terms of England, because obviously we support England as a national team, I could pick loads. You know, I think Michael Owen's goal against Argentina yeah. when he was just a kid and he broke yeah. through. You think David Beckham's free kick against Greece that got mm. us to to that World Cup. Um, I think David Platt's volley, I can remember that just against Belgium in the 1990. Yeah, that was a great you goal. You think 1996, that goal against Holland where... Was it Sheringham passed it to Shearer, I think, and he smacked it in the in the corner? Yeah. Um, those are all massive moments that stand out for me. That Gaza one, like you said, I think you can you can pick those definitely. There's been moments in football for other teams where I've been like bloody hell. You know, you think Aguero's last minute goal mm. against men against QPR yeah, to win the league, where you know the Aguero. Yeah. that one that I was I jumped out of my chair there not because I'm a Man City fan although I did want them to win and so that Man United didn't win the yeah. league but because it was just such a a massive moment in football yeah. and I remember that you know, Manchester United when they won the Champions League when Sheringham and then Solskjaer scored that goal that was like a oh my god moment yeah. um, I think when um Liverpool when they won the Champions League against Milan when yeah. they came back you know when they got when the one on penalties you're like oh my god that yeah, is that was incredible. unbelievable Drogba as much as I hate Chelsea but when he scored the yeah. penalties well it kept talking about the Champions League that year by him doing that didn't yeah it? so I think actually yeah I was actually yeah. pleased I yeah think, same here yeah um, so there's been moments like that that's yeah. why football is the sport yeah, yeah no, I, yeah, just... I agree. I mean, off the top of my head, it's hard to add to the twenty-seven examples <laughs> you just gave. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just going to agree with you on those. Okay. I certainly wouldn't disagree with any of them. No, fair enough. Um, at John Goodman twenty evening, lads, welcome back. X, would it be that bad if we brought in no one and just pushed in a few youth into the first team? Um, I think he's got a good point. I think there's youth players there that could deserve a chance. I think for Carlos Sanchez, Connor Coventry is a better player. I think for um, pick a winger for Anderson, I think Dean Garner will do just as good a job. I think for Ajeti, you've got Xander Silva. For um, Balbuena, you could use a couple of centre backs there. You know, we brought in Ben Johnson. He did a good job in Gakia did a good job when he was there so I agree with what he's saying I'd be massively disappointed if we didn't sign anyone however if we did bring in some youth players I think some of them could do a good job yeah I mean I know this is quite a statement but I think if you could get the best out of these players and they play to their full potential in terms of the current squad now then actually I think our priority should only be two fullbacks yeah yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think there's players in that squad that. You but can but we're with. also now trying to go to market to potentially replace or compete with underperforming players, and that is the problem. We've got yeah. too many underperforming players. Whereas if they play to their peak potential week in week out, I think we're looking at a left and a right back, and actually we could have a decent season. Yeah, I agree. I think there's. A, I I was frustrated that Coventry didn't get off the bench more than he did towards the end of. Those games, lockdown games, because I thought he could have came on. But as I said, those players that I named have all proved it. You know, goalkeeper, we've got Randolph, Martin, Roberto and Fabianski ahead of Trot and Anang, who are yeah. good keepers. Yeah. Um, there's a guy called Dan Chesters in the academy who's very good. There's a guy called Diallo in the academy who's very good. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah. you could. Yeah, but just quickly, right, let's fly through it. Got a goalkeeper that everyone loves at West Ham. Bonner, 
runner-up hammer of the year. Diop, everyone likes him. They expect more from him as it stands, but you, you, he'd be on your, your starting sheet without a shadow of a doubt. Even Teddy agrees. <laughs> yeah. um, Declan Rice speaks for himself. Suchik, one hell of a player. Imagine if Anderson played to his full potential week in, week yeah. out. Imagine if Lanzini did week in, week out. Jared Bowen on the right. Hilaire, imagine if he became the player we all thought he would be. Yeah. Then the only question marks you've got is on Creswell and Fredericks. Yeah, yeah, very true. And then you've got Ben Johnson to replace well, one Not of them. forgetting Johnson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's very, very true. I don't think, and that's what my source was saying there when I quoted that back that we've both the addition of Bowen and Suchek and how we played in the last seven or eight games do we need to sign players yeah. that's what he's saying yeah. um, so in that respect you could say that um, I'm trying to whiz through these now at DJ Tiao um, with our current issues of not having a consistent goal scorers in the team over the course of a season would either of you have Anatovic or Pae back no, definitely not. I think Pyatt's too old for a start. Yeah, I wouldn't have him. Uh, and Altovich, now fuck that. You know, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. I think he's such a prick. Even now, you see the images of him on Ch- in China and strutting about like he fucking owns the nation. Yeah, you know, I, I wish to God I could drink a pint of what he drinks and sees in the mirror what he sees because he just he's so deluded in what he is to the planet. He thinks he's like God's gift. And, and it wound me up when he was at West Ham. And to a degree, it almost winds me up just as much now he's not. Because the little Instagram post he sent, oh, West Ham, you need me and all that. I, I, do you know what? Honestly, if we signed him, I'd be so disappointed. Mm. I'd be so disappointed. Because then, for me, that would almost be, almost be, after the way he's behaved, West Ham saying, do you know what? You probably were bigger than us, Muggo. Yeah. <laughs> Come back to us, please. Yeah. And then he does. Nah, not for me. Fuck him. I hope he rots. I really do. What would you stand him. <laughs> what would you do if I'd managed to get an interview with him and he was sat right here? Uh, do, uh, do you know, I'll make you a promise now. I will promise you this. I'd fucking bury him on it. I would. I would. <laughs> what, I would literally? Well, <laughs> if I could, I would. But literally, <laughs> I would slaughter him on his behaviour and the level of disrespect he showed our football club. And I'd like to think that I would, I'd really bring him back down to earth because I was so angry during his time at West Ham. You name it. The, 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 the comeback video after we got smashed by Wimbledon yeah. fucking timing of that who's he think he was there you know clapping the fans saying goodbye as he's being subbed against Arsenal like he was the one in control of the transfers little things that he's been saying on social media his general persona and arrogance you know I'm not being funny no player is bigger than the club never has been never will be and that includes him and you're talking about recruiting players with the right attitude well fuck me you're going to back the wrong horse and completely contradict what you're saying if you're going to bring him back to the club Mm. Bearing, 100%. In, bearing in mind that he's got quite strong links to the mafia and so on, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who, who would who would win in a fight? You're an out of it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll write down the sort of talking points I want. I'll give it to you, and then you can you oh, can say be, to he'd him. beat me. Yeah, in a fight, yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested between you and him. <laughs> but you're far more diplomatic and likable than I am. So maybe you should take no, the lead no, on no, that. No, no, I'm not. More, I think you're more likable than me. I think I think people like me for the news I think they like you for the person you're being too hard on yourself no 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 no
Should we put the poll out? Like, no, no, <laughs> not another don't, fucking poll. Not another fact, one. So. God, no. I don't want to. I don't like it. I always lose. Um, uh, at Tyler Jones, 16. Each transfer window, there's people creating fake accounts trying to be you. I assume that means me. Uh, no, not you. <laughs> no, no, no disrespect. Um, and people always giving you hate and causing havoc for you. But what is it that causes you to carry on doing what you do for us fans with giving us transfer news? And how does it affect you? Um, wanna, I'll try and be quick here because I know people don't like me dwelling on it ultimately when I was a kid I used to check teletext every day before the internet was there I used to read the gossip columns of I'd go into news agents and I'd just flick to the back pages and read the obviously page three Adult might stop a, yeah it might stop a little bit on page three <laughs> but I'd skip at the back pages and I would read all the gossip and club I would call. call club call make a mm. fucking massive phone bill for my parents because yeah. I wanted to know what was going on at my club I was so interested I was obsessed by it you know I remember when West Ham were linked to signing Tony Cotty back because I really wanted us to sign him. I called Club Call for hours. I was obsessed. So, back in the day, I would have loved someone like me without being to sound arrogant that would give me this news for free, accurate news on mm. my club so that I felt that I knew what was going on. So I think because I'm in a lucky position where I do know a lot of people, obviously I've had to work for it as well, but I do know a lot of people. I feel like... I, like it's my not duty but I want to tell people the news like if I know it myself what's the benefit of that it's mm. nice for me but no one else gets to know what's going on in the club and I used to see back in the day before I became ex so to speak people giving false news and making West Ham fans look like mugs you know I remember people said we were going to sign um uh what's his name Lewandowski the Bayern Munich yeah. forward we were going to sign this Ronaldini oh we're going to sign this guy this guy the Beckham people like that and making us look like dicks basically fans because we were told wrong information and, and we believed it because we wanted to believe it so I do it to try and give people the fact that they know what's going on in their club you know they know what's going on with the kits they know what's going on with contracts and so on I, I would want that news as a fan um, in terms terms of how does it affect me um it used to affect me a lot more than it does now i think people on twitter think it affects me more than it does because i react sometimes part of me reacts because i find reacting almost funny in a way and slightly addictive like today i reacted to some guy he said something like i only said the jetty thing because um i, I put i was gonna say on the show but as it's out there the jet is going and he said what a coincidence you're just massaging your ego or something that you got it first it's in my notes I wrote the notes earlier I was the one that said a jet he wasn't going to Celtic or had, hadn't had his medical two or three times before that so and no and he didn't question it so I just wrote back and said something like what was it fuck off he was called gay pro gamer or something so i wrote back and put something like fuck off back to your gaming you twat or something. <laughs> and it just made i don't know why i found it amusing and then a couple of people messaged me ha 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 and i think people reading that with it oh my god he's got really upset by that i had and i found it funny but it does frustrate me every single year people saying what are oh, you a fraud you're making out you're copying from this person that's not true who's this guy we believe this guy and I proved myself year after year after year and it is frustrating because you just think I don't get any money for this so why am I bothering 
But I do enjoy the fact that people want to listen to our show, that people want to, that people get accurate information. And um, yeah, I guess that's why. Mm. Difficult one to answer, really. Um, uh, at Brian T8400. Hi, lads. Love the show. Um, any movement on whether Moyes will be allowed or has plans to increase the scouting network. I know he has been active around grounds. Just wondering, has he sought more visibility? Cheers and love the show. Um, I think he will rely on trusted scouts soon that he will bring in. I forgot to say on my section, actually, I'll probably get missed now, but Kevin Nolan and Nevin have both been tapped up by other clubs wanting them to come in have as they coaches really? and managers. Bolton were keen on getting Kevin Nolan involved and Bristol City were keen on getting Nevin involved. Um, in the same role? Uh, I think so. I think Bolton wanted to give Kevin Nolan a bit more of a senior role from knowledge. I can't say for certain because um, I'm not entirely sure what they offered him but they've definitely been approached by other clubs. Um, so I think Moyes has got a bit of a I think at the moment they're still staying at West Ham, but I think he's got a bit of a situation where he needs to sort out his backroom staff. And obviously with the tight budgets, how many he'll be allowed, I don't know. Um, Shall we move on? This question from Claret and Blue Bud is very similar about watching players on one game, Robinson, Madison. Yeah. And do we agree with it? No, I don't. Um, At DSNOAP... Aside from Dean Ashton, who became an England centre forward and then had to retire due to injury, which is the signing you're most disappointed or gutted about with regards to how it worked out? Uh, oh, God. For me, I can think of a few if you want me to help you out. Yeah, um, go on. Paolo Futre, I thought it was going to be amazing yeah. when he signed for us. Um, I thought Rada Choyu was a very good signing. Um, disappointed with what happened with those. Boogers was another one. Yeah. Um, I, I, I seem to be remembering uh, Bellamy. You know, Bellamy, I thought it was going to be class for us. He was a very good player. But yeah. Obviously, left very early. Devil Suka, do you remember him? Yeah. He was in twilight years of his career, yes. obviously. Yeah. Sergei Rebrov, I mean, yeah. he, again, yeah. established career, but fucking dog shit at West Ham uh, in terms of injuries Richard Hall was oh. meant to be a very good centre back yeah Simon you, Webster Simon Webster both meant to be very good centre Kieran Dyer we knew what he was getting to be fair but yeah so there's been a number of ones oh god, god injuries is a separate podcast let's yeah, be honest exactly so there's been quite a few I mean Jack Wilshere's got to be up there when you look yeah. at the player that he would be if he wasn't injured I think with him though I just knew this was going to happen so yeah. I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I knew it was going to happen how does he pass a medical this is what blows my mind I think I think you can pass a medical if your manager wants you to pass a medical yeah. I think that's the b- bottom line how, how did Andy Carroll pass a medical at Newcastle yeah yeah. you know like I yeah. think you could say that about anyone right I'm trying to get through this quite quickly because I know we've had quite a few at West Ham fashion what's your favourite West Ham coloured clobber from something different <laughs> we both like the retro shirts don't yeah we? love the retro I'm more retro than anything yeah. I don't really have many sort of modern day West Ham shirts I love my my sort of retro West Ham shirts. I love the um, the fleeces as well. I, I, do you know what? I was, I was gutted. I had uh, a really nice um, Elise. Is it Elise or Alessi? I never know the difference between the two. Uh, a lovely, um, you know, like a uh, tracksuit top that was uh, claret with blue arms. And I fucking lost that at the ginger vent. And I don't know what it was. Obviously, partially being pissed probably. But I left <laughs> it on a chair. Went back to get it at the end of the night and fucking weren't there. So... Gutted about that. I do quite I like got the fifteen uh, quid for that. I mean, yeah, I thought I was going to get twenty five. Yeah, I was going to say it cost me thirty. Don't yeah. well there. Um, but yeah, I, I do quite like the um, the retro kind of gazelle, Adidas, Claret, and blue trainers. 
they're pretty cool as well. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably that's probably it for me. But definitely the retro shirts. I, I love bought a retro, retro shirt off West Ham the other day. Um, not a shirt; it's a a jumper of like the tracksuit top they wore in the nineteen eighty Cup final, possibly. Is it um, blue? No, it's white. So maybe it wasn't. That's white. Yeah, it was in the. I can't remember what it was, but it looks nice anyway. Problem is. I thought it had a zip down the middle and it doesn't so it's one where and I always hate having jumpers like that where you put like it's got a zip at the top it's like a hoodie but without a, yeah. a zip down the middle because whenever you go out in winter if you're walking around you need a jumper on because it's cold outside but the minute you get into like a pub or someone's house or a shop they crank the heating up and then you're like oh, yeah. I'm going to take this off now and you can't so yeah. it's a bit annoyed about that and it's also quite tight as well I seem to vary so what are you saying that you went out wearing nothing underneath this zipless jumper then no you'll have to oh you have to wear, so you're extra hot to. is what you're saying yeah I will have right, to right right um, uh, but with the but what I seem to fluctuate between sizes now like literally yeah. I can be a, a I can even be a medium in some like American brands but I know I know you believe I wouldn't believe it but I can more often or not I'm large some sizes I'm extra large I can even be extra extra large <laughs> and I hate it because I can't I can't seem to buy anything for online now because yeah. I never yeah. know what I'm going to get yeah. I know if it's something like Halista I need to be like ex, ex, extra 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 large for them but then something like Tommy Hilfiger I can get away in like a medium or... yeah I know I'm murdered for, I've, I've always got to try stuff on it's annoying isn't it yeah. kind of have the uh, Greek statue carved look mate can we no exactly right I Oh, we've still got quite a few here. I'll cut, I'll cut some of them. Yeah, out. I, I think we're going to have to, mate. It's going to be like a six-hour fucking yeah, podcast exactly. at this rate. Skip that one. Um, yeah, skip that one. Uh, skip that one. One of the questions is, is rumours put out there to unsettle players? Yes, that's why agents leak them. Yeah. Just so basically, um, agents will leak rumours so that their players get attention and then other clubs know that they're available. Also, um uh, th- yeah the agent they want uh, if a club wants a player they'll say to an agent get this story in the press so that the player knows yeah. about it rather than directly tapping them yeah. up um, do yeah. we get pain any, in the arse agents exactly do we get any compensation for Ngakia yes we do because he was under a certain age I think um, at for Hinchy 4 he comes to our events good lad in a word, you have to be really quick with this one. You have two options. We keep Declan but can't sign anyone else in the window. Or we sell Declan um, and give the funds to Moyes. Oh, that, that's more of a, a discussion point rather than a... a I'd, I'd keep Declan. Yeah, I think I would as well. In fact, I think that's a no-brainer. I mean, again, it comes back to if everyone's playing well, we could smash it with Declan. But yeah. oh, that's a separate argument. But no, I'd keep him. This club's this one's at Marcine seventy two. If we had to sell Declan to which club would you want him to go from anywhere? Um, don't really mind where he goes as long as it's not West Ham. I guess if I had to pick anyone, AC Milan. They're my Italian team, so that'd be yeah. It. Uh, well, obviously not in this country. It could be. It could be in this country. Yeah. Well, obviously you wouldn't want to see him in the country. No, so if you had the choice of not, I mean, fuck me. As long as it ain't Tottenham, it's yeah. uh, as a start. I mean, Madrid. Pro- yeah, probably one of them. Barcelona, Madrid, yeah. somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, right. I actually think you'd do really well at somewhere like that I as well. I think you would. I think it'd be perfect. I think I you'd do well anywhere, to be honest. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, Aaron Cresswell um, at um, <laughs> Antmo1977. Great to have you back, guys. Hope you had a good time with family. X, I did. Thank you. My question is, if you could only sign one West Ham player from the 80s, 90s and 2000s, based on our current needs, who would you sign? Oh, based on current needs? So, um, yeah... Oh wow, eighties, nineties. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go eighties. I'm gonna go for either Brooklyn because yeah. it just makes it in, or Billy Bonds. I think you could argue Phil Parks. You could argue uh, Alan Devonshire. I was gonna say Devonshire as well. Argue yeah, Cotty, McAvenny, Wardy. Even. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go for the eighties. I'm gonna throw in Brooklyn, and I'm gonna just assume he's as good in the eighties as he was in the seventies. Yeah. And I'm gonna have him as my attacking midfielder yeah. behind a lair or coming in from the the left. Uh, oh. you know, I think that's really Which hard to disagree with that because if if we are purely basing this on what we need now, I still think there's a grey area in a number 10 role yeah so that's why I'm, so that's why I'm giving him it over Bonds Bonds is the leader we need but yeah. I almost think with his position we've got Declan we've got Noble yeah. you know, centre back um, mm. he's probably slightly better as a defensive midfielder wasn't he um, mm. so I'm going to go Brookie yeah. in the number 10 90s you've got options of Julian Dix um, you've got Decanio, mm. you could put him in either the 90s or the 2000s um, you've got Bish I guess you've got Cotty, you could have in the nineties. Um, you could have I think because we're desperate for a fullback, I think I'll have to go Dixie. And the fact he's yeah. my hero, and so he's captain material as well. Well, he's a skipper. He's that bit of fire and he that, that we've been lacking so much of. Yeah, it'd be Dixie so for I me. Think I agree with that. So Brooklyn and Dix, and then from the two thousands, I put Paolo. Yeah, my Maverick up front again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue what Sinclair, Scott Parker. Um, Denver Bar, I guess. So yeah, there's a few in Ashton. there you could argue. Ashton, peak Ashton, mm. a peak Ashton. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go Decanio though, because again, yeah, well, yeah. he's also my hero. So yeah, okay, that, that could have had more discussion. Right, these are very, very quick. Now, last two at Oliver Hersey. What's your favourite album? Favourite album? Music album. Oh, God. Oh, you said this is going to be quick. <laughs> I I like Michael Jackson, I'm not going to lie. And I think one of the best shows we ever saw was in Vegas last yeah. year. So I would say favourite album. You could put you could put Bad in there. You could put Off the Wall. Um, you could put Thriller. Uh, but I'm going to put His Greatest Hits. Um, Beatles. You could have a number from them. I love Guns and Roses. I think they got some great tracks. Um, mm. You know, Oasis. Their early albums. Can't argue. Yeah, we've got quite different taste in music actually when it comes to bands and yeah. I mean, obviously, our dance music and garage. Yeah, we've got that in common. Like. I think. See, I, I I grew up on more of a kind of you know more of a soul train really so I'm, I'm very much Luther Vandross Stevie Wonder Lionel Richie Stevie Wonder yeah but I wouldn't want the others I don't God, know. you wouldn't want the others fuck no. me that's a statement but then I also was massively into my reggae and ska so I love UB40 love the specials love madness love bad manners Dexy Midnight Runners and all that kind of stuff but I also love Prince was a massive fan yeah, of Prince, Prince so yeah an album a specific album just off the cuff like that I think that's difficult that that is do you difficult. Like Guns and Roses. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do like yeah. a few of their songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Spice Girls? Yeah, I've got the greatest hits. Oh, yeah, uh, like not individual Spice albums, but greatest <laughs> hits. <laughs> Who would you say is the fittest? Rank the five. Uh, oh Jesus Christ! Uh, in their peak, obviously. Yeah, peak. <laughs> uh, probably. Oh God. Uh, oh, posh. 
baby. Well, posh first. Maybe, but I mean, oh. I, I could easily retract this, to be honest. Okay. See, I thought Jerry Alliwell was a bit of a salt yeah. as well. I don't know. Um, probably posh, baby, uh, Jerry, scary and sporty. Okay. Well, Sporty's last, isn't she? Let's yeah, be honest. That's, a, that's like, a given, well, isn't it? She's all right now, though. She's definitely improved. Yeah, got better with age. Um, yeah, I think I would go baby first. I had a thing for her. Did you? She's just, I thought she was just so fit. <laughs> I wonder what he was going to say then. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say then. Um, and then I think I would go ginger second. Yeah. And then I think I'd probably go scary third. Posh fourth. Posh um, fourth? I just find her very... Annoying looking. I can't describe. She never smiles. And she's so plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, yeah, um, yeah. Know, I wasn't overly confident of my my first scary choice. Scary's got that age yeah. about her and a bit more. Yeah, personality and stuff. So, yeah. and final question. And we probably don't have time to do this. We can pass if you like. But at Pacifer One Two Three has asked, "How did you and Dave meet?" Is <laughs> <laughs> somebody's asked? Yeah. Um, oh, blimey. Yeah, um, I don't know who wants to tell this, to be honest with you. Um, don't mind. I mean, I guess we got... So I got to know... I was starting up the West Hamway website. I'd written for a few websites before, and I um, I decided I was going to start my own one, and I wanted to make it an accumulation of a load of good sites. Believe it or not, Hammers Chat were actually originally on my site before they became as big as they have um i wanted to work with you know knees up mother brown before they blocked me and made out as if i was the next thing since satan we're gonna work with me um and there was gonna be a few people anyway i loved what you did with sex drugs and can't i thought the interviews were high quality i loved the way you did them the editing they were very professional so i wanted those website those videos on my website so i actually got in contact kev got in contact with me kev knew me as x you didn't have a fucking clue. No, was, I didn't. Um, I was probably the only person around that didn't. Because <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I, I had no Twitter account back then. Yeah. So I was only purely ever Facebook. And even then, other than my own page, Sex, Drugs and Cult and Co, I didn't actually spend a lot of time on different West Ham forums. Just concentrated on my own. Yeah. So I, I genuinely didn't know who you were. No. So anyway, Kev kept saying things like, I have to check with my partner. I have to check with my partner. <laughs> Numerous times. And eventually I actually spoke to the partner. The partner being you. And uh, we, we got on well on the phone. Although I do remember initially thinking you were much harder work in terms of <laughs> your demands than what Kev was <laughs> you, were, you had serious like we must do this what's this what's this what's this um, and then, but then we met up first time was in Queens wasn't it yeah it and was you just shaken Ian Bishop with a pissy hand yeah I did um, yeah. your pissy yeah. hand not his yeah. well no not? I'd actually to be fair washed my hands oh, had you? Uh, and then I saw Bish coming out of toilets at Queens and obviously I jumped on Bish as any human being would yeah. do if you support West Ham and I just sort of shook his hand but then immediately thought God, my hand's wet. He's seen me come out of the toilet. Does he think this is going to be pissed? So immediately I'm in an awkward position where do I acknowledge it or do I run the risk of him walking away thinking, was that piss on his hand there? <laughs> so I made the choice of just saying, oh, bitch, by the way, this isn't piss in my hands. I've just washed them. <laughs> And it sounded fucking horrendous. So <laughs> I've never mentioned it to Bish since. Well, we but he we, must have thought, who the fucking hell is that guy? Seeing as we were going to be spending a whole week with him in Brisbane. <laughs> I would have told him over a beer. Yeah, it might have came up then. Uh, yeah. And so then we did that. I realised that you're a, a decent bloke. And then I think quite shortly after that, did I organise for us to have a tour of Upton Park? When no oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, so yeah. I said, you guys, to come down. Yeah. I... I <laughs> 
I still do know this person, but I know someone very well at the grounds who can do this sort of thing. And obviously yeah. we knew the stadium was going to close. So he said to me, if you want... And I actually organised the same thing for Hammers Chat back in the day. I got there a free tour of the stadium and the ground stuff. I actually said to you and Kev and to Evan and a few other people, do you want to come with me? Got our own private tour of yeah, Upton Park, didn't we? Got to stand on the pitch and yeah. stuff. And I think we just clicked, didn't we? Got yeah, we really did. well and two Ibifas yeah. Las Vegas and various other places later yeah now. well do you know what it's, it's actually father to my child that's right that's right um, and you know wasn't actually going to say this so quickly it was supposed to be a surprise I was going to ask you to be godfather to Dixie actually uh, <laughs> but I thought I'd better choose the right time <laughs> no, uh, <fuck> <laughs> just sleep on it yeah. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean it's incredible we've said this before how much we have actually been through in such a short period of time because yeah. we have actually only known each other four years yeah there and about last season 2000 I'd say it was Christmas time 2015 yeah because we moved yeah. out of the stadium 2016 didn't we yeah and it was that year yeah, and it was definitely around Christmas time. Yeah, so, so coming up to five years. Yeah, in, um, yeah. But even so, even the five years, I mean, we've travelled the country together, we've left the country together, we've done a successful podcast together, we've done a successful events, and it's it's just incredible, you know, some of the stories and some of the opportunities that have come from our two worlds coming together, two very different, and I think in many respects, whilst we've got a lot in common, we are two very different people, oh, yeah, but I think that dynamic works really well as well. In terms of bring-ins and things like yeah, that, Yeah, across the board, really, yeah. in, in some respects. and uh, Little and large. Yeah. <laughs> but no, mate, in, in all honesty, I, I've, it's been brilliant, it's been such a great journey, and uh, long may it continue, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, one day, one day we'll share our memoirs in a, in a, in some form, and we can uh, yeah, reflect. I mean, if you think you've heard funny stories, obviously you've heard Code Red, and you've heard our hotel stay in Manchester. <laughs> they're ju- they're just two of like yeah. I don't know hundreds of stories that we can tell. And, and the thing is, as well, you know, it's like you can imagine the amount of player interactions that we've had. There are stories to have come out of oh, them as gosh, well. Yeah. But as it stands, you, you just can't share them because it no. wouldn't be right or it wouldn't be fair. I mean, some of the stories we've got with certain players are unbelievable, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like from you having, or both of us, having a, almost a fight with <laughs> uh, with someone. Yeah, be, be careful. <laughs> yeah, I'll be yeah. careful what we say to, to, um, to not liking some and loving yeah, others. Yeah. And, yeah, oh, it's, uh, being pissed up with some of them. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the things yeah. we have got ourselves into. Yeah, you know, no, we've, we've had some great times with the common bomb being West Ham. And yeah. I think, you know, West Ham just brings so many different people together. You've only got to look at our events and now that's brought so many people together and I can't wait to get that back up and running because I've really missed yeah. them as well me too massively right okay that is the end of the show we hope you enjoyed it one thing that you won't enjoy is the fact that Billy Butlin's over there he's going on fucking holiday again next week yeah yeah so it's just like at the moment where I don't (laughs) often get to go away in August because obviously the season's usually on then so I'm taking advantage of the one chance where where we haven't and it's good it's good to Spend time with the family. They put up with a lot of shit from me during the season in terms of, you know, going to games, doing events, tweeting, podcasts, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's all good. But I will be in the same location as West Ham, possibly. So you might get some uh, exclusive, interesting interesting news off the press. So, So as it stands, can people expect you to be active on Twitter whilst you're away or, or not? 
no, right, okay. I'm, I think I'm gonna not be, but well, that's who, gonna piss a lot of people off. That is, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? If something, if news comes to me, then I will put it out. Like I should get the fixtures before others. I, I might put that yeah. out. I'll say I'm not. I don't do it for attention. People say, oh, he does this for attention. I don't. I just do it for well-being and uh, yeah. and the chances to have a break from it all because it can be quite overwhelming and consuming at times so at the moment the intention is not to but because um, I, I quite find, I find it quite amusing watching from afar as well the, yeah, the chaos yeah. and the rubbish that gets out there but uh, yeah, yeah I shall see I shall see I might I haven't really decided and it's as I say what will be will be but uh, the the tips I will give people to, on what rumours to believe or not. Yeah. Okay, certain positions we are not going to sign because we haven't got the money. We are not going to sign a winger. I don't think when it's not a priority when position. When it's not a priority, we yeah. don't have much money. We're not going to sign someone for twenty five million unless we sell someone. Um, we're not gonna um, you know, uh, sort of buy a Brazilian. <laughs> winger that's only played in Brazil for example it's things like that that you mm. can pinpoint certain agents will be um, will be prevalent so you have to look at which players with what agent and mm. things like that so there's certain tips as to what what's um, what's what we're going to do or what we're not going to do um, so yeah 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 okay now some good tips there Right, okay, so there is no recorded show next week, but like we did last week, I'll upload a classic interview in its place. So, take care everyone, be lucky, and until the next show, come come on you irons. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey dude, good to go to. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.